This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 106, Comic Talk. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 106. This is our Comic Talk episode. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and I'm joined by my special co-host today... Paul Scorez. And today we're just kind of doing a little bit of uh, a freewheel and jam, uh, just talking about some random comic book things, uh, comic movies, uh, maybe even video games, who knows. Uh, from time to time you might hear some uh, some cooing in the background. It's because my son Zachary is joining us on the podcast. Um, he is th- three and a half weeks old, so he's not... Like baby, so, like boo-boo. Yeah, so he's not really saying anything intelligent yet, or <laughs> even close to it, just a lot of... Yeah. Um, anyways, so let's talk comics. We haven't had a chance to really talk a lot of comics recently. Um, we haven't seen each other that often. We've been having babies. Busy. We, I'm busy, busy having a baby. Um, and I so, already got two babies on you. My life ba- is already yeah, you well have booked. Enough, you have enough kids already. Yes. And she wants one more. <laughs> no more babies. No more babies. Um, so, I mean, what type of comics have been uh, have you been reading lately? I was briefly at your house yesterday. Didn't get a lot of chance to talk about comics, but I was in... Uh, this sounds creepy. I was in your bedroom, and I saw your, <laughs> your stack of comics by the bed. Um, yes. No, so what, what was in that stack? I didn't get a chance to, go, to leaf through your stack. Um, basically, what I have on the go right now... Um, I, I, I buy very few books these days, so I don't keep up on a whole lot. Um, but, uh, I guess Wolverine was what I was reading. So I've caught up on Savage Wolverine and the standard Wolverine with the killable. What do you think uh, of killable? Uh, I'm iffy on the whole kind of thing. It's not, it's not like Wolverine hasn't lost his healing factor before and a gotten lot. through it. It's, it's, it's this time at least he's not dying of adamantium poisoning. Yeah. They, they made that really clear off the bat saying this cure <laughs> that, will keep that off your that back. That was kind of but... stupid. It was kind of like, well, we want to tell this story, but we don't want to have to deal with this from old stories. So let's quickly get that out of the way. Yeah. Let's just... And nip that in the bud, so exactly. no, no, no one you know cries continuity on us, I guess. But continuity foul. That's my new catchphrase from now on. Continuity, continuity foul. foul. But uh, I will see where it goes. You were telling me that they're going to do this like Marvel wide. They're going to yeah, stick kind of thing. But so. I haven't really seen it reflected anywhere else. But I think it's supposed to be everywhere, and I think maybe in At Battle of the Atom. I don't know. Well, Battle Island would make sense, but I don't think it's going to catch into. I don't know Wolverine's in Infinity because I haven't read a lot of Infinity. But I don't think he is in Infinity. Actually, I haven't seen him there anywhere. Okay, that's actually interesting. I had not thought about it, but I guess I mean Hickman hasn't really used Wolverine. Well, that's that's good because Wolverine's been too much of a major player. Age of Ultron, this and that here and oh, there. So Age of Ultron was the Wolverine show. Yeah, they need a break from Wolverine. If that's you're fine. doing a time travel story, why not use Wolverine as your main guy to to explain temporal mechanics to us in front of Hank Pym, who acts like he doesn't know what's going on. This guy is the scientist supreme, and he's like, huh? There's multiple Wolverines talking about time travel? I'm just going to stand here and look dumbfounded. Anyways, continue, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... I, Age of Ultron pissed me off so yes, badly. Yes, I know. Yeah. I still want the hardcover. I don't know why. I, I, really, eh? Uh, I'm not going to buy it, but I'm a little... Not completionist, that's not the word. Um... I don't know, something about like having an entire event in one hardcover is very appealing. It's very appealing, that's true. You just wish it was a better event, but, you know, it's it, You know, it was a it. good event until it ended. It was the opposite of House of M for me. I, I enjoyed House of M until it ended. Like, oh my god, no more mutants, that's crazy. I wish I could go back in time and, and find out what I thought of House of M when it was coming out. Because I don't remember, like, it, it's so easy to remember how you like the story based on how it ended. But I'm more interested to hear like how, what I thought about it in the middle. I think somewhere there's an archive of reviews I wrote on the book at the time. Because I would love to know, if actually for anything, I'd like to know what I thought about it in the middle. 
because that's something you never think about. You think of, you know, as you said, Age of Ultron, by the time it got to the end, it kind of fell apart for you. But before that, it was better. Um, yeah, we had a podcast previous where I was saying I really enjoyed it. You were kind of iffy on it. Mm-hmm. And I was going to see it through. And then, uh, you know, the ending left a lot to be... Desired? Like needing, yeah. And, you know, there was supposed to be a big hush-hush ending. No one was supposed to know. But... Angela. But we knew about that. If you were into the, any level of comic geekdom online, you knew mm-hmm. that already. Oh, and for sure. I guess you had the big, you know, we 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 wrecked this space-time continuum. But has that, you know, and I would, has it really been affected anywhere else since? They have started using the, well, I mean, obviously, all new X-Men. Like, Battle of Adam is definitely using the idea of the, the you know, the time frame being messed up. Okay. Um, obviously, the current arc of Indestructible Hulk has been being agent of time. T dot I dot M dot E, another <laughs> acronym for the Marvel Universe. Like there weren't enough. Um, so and and, and the and Ultimate Marvel Universe has had the biggest, most profound impact because Ultimate uh, Regular Galactus is now in the Ultimate Universe, yeah. and so that's I- going to impact the upcoming Cataclysm, which there's rumors that it might may or may not be the end of the Ultimate Universe. That's what I was going to ask you just now. I think and they're going to do it. I don't know, because I remember in one month they said, you know, Miles Morales is headed to the 616, but now it sounds like it's more of a reconnaissance mission to get information on Galactus and then go back to the Ultimate Universe. So maybe it's not a one-way trip. Um, I'd actually be intrigued by it being a one-way trip. Although I I would rather, before we get to see anything like that, I'd rather have uh, a little bit more of a conclusive idea of what the hell Peter Parker saw when he looked at Miles Morales. Yeah, exactly, at the end of Spider-Man. If you want to do something like that, fine, but you can't just leave it and then never come back to it. And the fact that he doesn't really write anything near Spider-Man in the 616, and now Peter being dead, we're not... (laughs) And, like, Otto doesn't... Unless he accessed those memories on panel... We don't like he doesn't know things like when Kane showed up, he had no idea what was going on there. Like he doesn't have access to these memories. So, yeah, who knows what what he saw on that on that computer screen? It was a, a real annoying fake out because something cool could be on that screen, or maybe maybe Peter Parker accidentally hit a porn site and he's like, whoa, <laughs> isn't that all there was? It was him clicking on something and whoa. him going, whoa, yeah. Who knows what he saw? Maybe Miles Morales is a male porn star. We don't know. <laughs> You know, like who knows what it is? It really could be anything, and it. I mean, in well, part maybe of that, it'll lead to something bigger when they do and the Ultimate Universe, because and maybe Bendis will I don't do know. something. I feel like Bendis needs to have his 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 mitts involved in the Spider-Man universe to make that happen. Yeah, and right now he's very entrenched in the X universe, exactly, which he's doing fine on. Great, let him let him play. Mm-hmm. You know, Bendis is great when he has uh, when his batteries are, are fresh. You know, like if you look at the beginnings of any of his runs. Um, I mean, some of his runs have been good all, all through, but I mean, his his first few things on Ultimate Spider-Man was when it was at its Christmas. Absolutely, when he first brought Miles Morales in, that was really clear stuff because he was fresh and he was energized as a new take on a new character. Uh, you look at his Daredevil; his first first arc was one of his best. Um, you know, Avengers; his first few new Avengers arcs were really strong because he had something he wanted to say. The longer he's on a book, it starts to feel like he's losing the idea of what he wants to say. Yeah, like John's too, right? Yeah, well, Jeff, well, really, any writer. I mean, yeah. you're you're going to get to a place where you've kind of told the story you wanted to tell. So on X Men, he's still at the beginning of that. So it's it's more exciting to see what he's come up with. Um, yeah. Continue, please. I, I'm just going to interrupt you every once in a while. This is what you do. This is what I do. It's, again, you know, shenanigans, is easy it, to call it, but it's comic book tangents. Comic book tangents. Show is about, right? 
Um, so anyways, back to, I guess, Wolverine, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, reading Killable, um... Now, how many issues of Savage Wolverine, uh, in the new arc have there been? Because I think I've only read an issue or so. Because it's all about Bullseye, right? With the Zeb Wells and... Yeah, Mad Zeb there. Wells and Joe yeah. Mad. Uh, it's more, uh, a Wilson Fisk story against Wilson Fisk. Interesting, okay. Yeah. Um, basically, he, uh, dupes Electra. Dupes um, Electra, okay. To, uh, to think that he's brought Bullseye back to life. Um, Interesting. And she then in turns uh, hires Wolverine to help her. Okay. And, but then, then, but they're best buddies. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And, but then they have work for, for Kingpin. Okay. Right? Like, Interesting. Wolverine first thinks that Elektra is bringing him in to help take out Fisk. And okay. then they realize that no, it's these uh, arbiters that work for the Hand. This Clan oh, okay. Hand are trying to overthrow Fisk as the uh, head of the Hand. Okay. So these creepy looking. Does it people. bother you that? Well, I guess. I guess. I mean, this is very not out of continuity, but like retro continuity. Does mm-hmm. that bother you at all for the book, or does it make it f- feel more like uh, its own kind of event where you really could just jump in and out? For yeah, it's a nice, easy, self-contained one shot. The art is gorgeous by Joe Mad. It's good stuff. Is, oh yeah, because I only it's, read the first issue, and like really Joe Mad can go varying degrees mm-hmm. of too far to one end and, and so I'm just interested to see how, how he's doing fair that. enough no no I, I enjoy the art profusely like I even on my cell phone here I have the cover to the, the first issue on my cell phone that's yeah that's good right. you know Spider-Man doesn't really do much he doesn't no. offer anything and he doesn't like you see him at the end of the arc and they kind of you know a classic Wolverine Spider-Man moment where you okay. know, he's annoyed with him but he'll put up with him to, gotcha. to sit and chill um, that actually that statement could describe either of them with their attitude towards each other. <laughs> That's very true. But it's funny though when you how Zeb writes Spidey as still kind of the the young, you know, very young doofus kind of kid, right? So, this it is before kind of, Doc Ock became Spidey. Yeah, obviously. yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, wh- is it nice wh- to see Peter? It's nice to see Peter, but not as a doofus because he's like, oh, I was playing with your sword in your room and I slashed your sheets, like. Really, Peter? When would Peter do that? Why would he go into Wolverine's room and start swinging around a katana blade? Like, that's just... Yeah, that's kind of stupid. It's kind of... Yeah. Well, when Spider-Man's not in his own book, people like to portray him as being a child. Uh, uh, or him being, like, gushing over Captain America. Exactly. Like, he, know, he'd like... gotten away from that come brand new day, I thought, so... Um, but, you know, who knows where the story says. But either way, it was an enjoyable little three-issue arc. Okay. That was fun. Now, with Killable, does it... Are you okay with Black Nick Fury? Nick Fury Jr.? Like No, I don't like him. You don't like him? I don't like him. I mean, I know that we don't like the way he was introduced into Marvel continuity because it was uh, ham-fisted to say the least. Absolutely. Um, you couldn't more clumsily write a character in uh, to a comic. Um, that being said, I'm kind of enjoying... I mean, he. I do think they have to get a handle on his personality and not just make him Samuel Jackson or like close to that because I feel that sometimes that they're trying to kind of make him that version but in the field and... He just doesn't quite have that that gravitas to him yet. That feeling of being a spy master or knowing anything because he doesn't know anything because he's still learning. But at the same time, that's kind of exciting because I mean, the Nick Fury, especially in the last fifteen twenty years, it's always this battle hardened guy who knows everything. He's been through everything. He's got eight hundred secret bases. You can't outthink out Nick Fury, and that's fun to write for a while, but. But you, you kind of write yourself into a corner. You always get that same version of Nick Fury. So now we're seeing Nick Fury who doesn't know, who is exploring, who... And you didn't have to take away the Nick Fury we, we love. You know, you, you still get to have the benefit of having the specter of the original, you know, the, the original Nick Fury, who's the awesome one. And then you got this younger one who's not quite as awesome, but could be. 
And no, it doesn't work. No, I just don't like it. No, I eh? No, like you totally force this new version in mm. for the sake of the movies, right? That's. But again, I think why I'm more forgiving than you are is because I don't think he's actually taken Fury's place. Because they, they had taken Fury no, off hasn't. the board. And they have other places, theoretically, in Fury's job. I mean, obviously you had Maria Hill, then you had Iron Man, and then you had Steve Rogers kind of, and then kind you had that. Quake and Maria Hill kind of working together, and one of them's, you know, it's, it's supposed to be Quake, but often you just see Maria Hill instead. Yes. Um, it's kind of, they're very much interchangeable characters at this point. Yes. Um, but that's kind of the way they do it, whereas, so that's taking Nick Fury's job, whereas this new Nick Fury, he's he's not taking anyone else's spot. He's not making it so that, like, I miss the old Nick Fury. He's a different type of character. He's just an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we don't really usually get to have. Usually we don't get to have an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. as an agent that we follow through adventures. Yeah, but you could have just, you know, introduced Coulson and done that. No, well, they they gave you Coulson too. They did. I don't, don't worry. But, they <laughs> they I, they thought of that. Yes, but I would have been happy to just have Coulson, and you could have done the Agents of Shield comic, mm. right? Same. Was, we're gonna have an awesome show coming up. Are you surprised that they haven't done that? That they haven't like announced like a you know a sh- like a Shield you know Agent of Shield tie-in of any kind? Like, isn't that surprising? They've done tie-ins to the movies. They've done preludes to movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting that they're not trying to capitalize more on the TV show. Well, let's see how it goes first. If it, you know... It is pretty anticipated. Like, yeah, a lot, it's gotten really good reviews across the board. A lot of people are really pumped about it. People say, if you're going to watch anything, watch this kind of stuff. That's exciting. So, like, my, my dad is like, oh, I'm, I'm totally watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm like, awesome! Like, it has... <laughs> It's it's amazing the amount of appeal it has to so many different people. Like, is your wife looking forward to it? Absolutely. Yeah. See, that's interesting. You know, like she doesn't read comics, she doesn't really care, but she loved the Avengers movie, and that's the buy-in. Yeah, she absolutely. loved Avengers. She knows Coulson. She's the face. Wait a minute, isn't that that guy from Avengers? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, it has the Marvel logo. It's set in that universe. I'm in. Yeah. They show you know Maria Hill's in it. They at least for the first episode, they have flashes of the characters. Like that's the buy-in, and the fact that so many people of so many different age groups and and classes and you know gen- whatever types all like this movie like, there's so much potential absolutely god i hope it doesn't fail i i agree you know like I agree. and you can do so many you know low-level b-list list heroes you know young avengers pick your character there's mm. a lot of potential of characterization you can do here um they've had mass success with more uh, superhero stuff on the small screen like smallville stuff like mm-hmm. that so they can easily do arrow it's amazing how many people have told me that like i haven't watched arrow Neither but a lot of people have told me like i watched the first episode i'm like oh, i don't know um, because I did watch Smallville and Smallville, like I, after a while I watched it more out of habit and sometimes they do some cool things, but it was never quite the Superman show I kind of wanted it to be because okay. I was afraid to be. Uh, and then when they announced Arrow, I was like, well, what can't be Green Arrow? Like that, that was my gut reaction. And that kind of colored my feelings on the show. And it's not Star City, it's Starling City. Like it, again, it almost felt like it was apologizing for its roots and it had to, you know, kind of wipe away the more comic you know, fair enough. Yeah, aspects. Um, but I, at some point, I would like to watch the show because people say it's really good, and it's not a bad thing to have Arrow and you know Agents of Shield. Let's populate you know TV with more of these TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I I hope that they do pull from things in comics and develop their own stories as well. But that I love the Easter eggs. I mean, the fans are going to love the Easter eggs. And yes, you throw in a name here or there on a T. Te- uh, like I was watching uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe months ago. I lost track of, t- of what how time works now. Now that I have a small child at home, um, uh, X two was on, and I remember there was that scene where Mystique, as Lady Deathstrike, breaks into the you know the computer room and she's accessing all the files. And I was like, I remember how big a deal this was when it happened because she opens up the desktop and you see all these mutants' names 
on on the computer and that was a big deal because that was as far as you were going to get mm-hmm. you know project wide awake and all these characters names are showing up and like sentinels and you see like and it was just that kind of feeling of ma- and now we've come to the point where now we're actually getting like so much more content and this is exciting it's gonna be great yeah. so i ramble but i love absolutely so that's that's, that's not so by the time this episode goes up that the agents of shield will have had its premiere episode finally come out to the masses because obviously if you're lucky enough to be at comic-con you've already seen it but anyways um things you've read sorry so wolverine both versions <laughs> both versions we're through two books and it's been like 12 minutes so <laughs> we're on pace for one and one hell of an episode absolutely um other than that i've uh read the x books up until battle of the atom Okay, so you uh, haven't read Battle of the Atom yet. No, I'm gonna. I have the first, I guess, four parts. It's good. So, I'm excited uh, to buy that eventual hardcover to put on yeah. my shelf because I would gladly give that to people who like X Men because I think it. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. very much a current X Men story because things are in weird places. Uh, so people who don't know about the current continuity would be like, "What?" Yeah. Um, but, but it, it is... comes up to what's been happening next first. And needed this real kick in the butt. It's nice. It you, did. Even though the X Men like, they're still not even close to what they used to be anymore. Right. No. It's a whole different universe now um I, I was, for what we remember back in the 90s right yeah i was actually i was reading a post on online and this guy brought up this interesting point how there used to be a lot of like i think i forgot he counted up how many regular x titles there are that are on a team and he said like back in the day you had all these different teams you had excalibur you had x-force x-factor x-men mm-hmm. and then you had uncanny x-men you had two different squads and now everything for the most part is just homogenized it's all x-men you have the and now yes there are specific you know iterations you have the all new x-men is the original x-men in the in the present future sorry in the present continuity you have the uncanny x-men which is cyclops's team etc but they're all still but they're still but they're still called X-Men. Yeah. There's no... And the X-Factor just ended, but there's probably a new X-Factor six months down the, the line. Oh, we'll it's yeah. There's well, two X- amazing X-Men. Though. Again, another... So, but it's just more and more X-Men books that... I mean, they're not that differentiated. I mean, they are, but... Well, they kind of find the Avengers model almost, right? But that's Avengers not a good bo- mo- That's that, To I, me, that's not a good model. I, I just, agree. I want something to be a little bit more differentiated. I mean, obviously... I guess I just want different different names of teams for some reason. Like, no, that makes sense. You do kind of have two X Forces right now, and they're kind of doing their separate thing, yeah, right? Cable and X Force and Uncanny X Force, and then I mean, as I said, like you could almost just call it Cyclops and the X Men. That's Uncanny X Men. Uh, all new X Men could just be the '60s X Men. Meet now, like that's what it is. <laughs> Wolverine and the X Men is what it is. It's basically the, you know the Xavier Institute. You could call it that, but they can't because they need the X Men name. It could be called New Mutants Hell. I mean, that would actually fit it more than Wolverine and the X-Men at times. Oh, Jean Grey is cool. Sorry. You know what I mean. Yes. Dick. Um, <laughs> what else? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I think it would just add more variety. I mean, it's already there. Or, like, you know, Brian Wood's X-Men is, like, you know, the X-Chicks. I mean, the like, X-Chicks, yeah. It's basically what it is, although they'll never say it that way. But, I don't know. I just, I just miss there being all these different teams. And then when you had a crossover, you were having all the teams coming together because right now you have like yes you have the books that are focused on different characters but for the most part they're all living in one space it just the book happens to focus on only on them it's just i don't know it it irks me a little when i go back and read stuff like onslaught when you have all the different teams coming together it felt they were all headquartered for the most part at different places and it felt more of an event because you had these people who didn't see each other every day now coming come together. together yeah no, that makes a lot of sense actually most of the x men all live at the mansion or because, I mean, Uncanny these days is only that small squad, so they don't interact with everyone else. No, no, no. So every other mutant lives at the uh, Jean Grey school. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. 
And there's just more bleed over. I just miss the days of blue and gold and, and differentiation between I games. I do. I really do too. But that's also because I'm an old man and I like to complain about things and say how they used to be. But it was really good back then. That was like some of the best stuff. I agree. Well, yeah. a lot of people would disagree, but it's because we grew up in that era and that was our that was our team. I mean, it's it, it's even when some of the stuff wasn't good, we're always going to look at it a certain way because when we were children, first reading comics, exactly. it was the most exciting. It had yes. the best art. Some of the best art in comics at the time. With their costumes, they were a united force, and mm-hmm. it made it just made sense. It did, you know, for what it was look back time. on it, maybe not so much, but doesn't matter. Rose colored glasses. Those are the glasses I wear. Yeah. I wear Cyclops glasses. Ruby quartz, my friend. Ruby quartz. Okay, so more oh, things you've read. So you got, so you're all left to now. What X Men books are you actually reading? Because there's a lot of X books. Um, the the core three, I suppose. So all new. Well, four. So all new yeah. Wolverine, Uncanny, yeah. and the Chicks. Do you still view Wolverine and the X Men as actually being a core book? Because I don't anymore. It's so it feels fringe. It feels like it doesn't matter, except for when it's part of a crossover. Like it, I just At feel this, like when since all new kicked in, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it does feel. I guess that's part of it because yeah. once Bendis kind of took over, his books became the flagship books. Yes. And Wolverine and the X Men, ever since like just before um, AVX, it just feels lost. Like, yeah. it doesn't quite... And now that even it's done its big Hellfire saga, which kind of felt like it fizzled out, I kind of feel like it doesn't need to exist. Like, it, it's not... Now that we've kind of reached the crescendo of that major story, which wasn't much of one, I feel like it could go away, and I don't need it. I suppose, but with all new focusing so hard on the original five coming back, mm. the rest of those characters need somewhere to do their thing, and that's that book. I guess. I just It's a New Mutants book. Call it that. And it's a it should be a lower-selling book as a result. Because it... New Mutants prior to, I guess, Schism, it was around, people liked it, but it wasn't a hot seller, and that's how I feel about Wolverine the X-Men. I don't know if it's reflected that way on the charts, but that's just how I view it. Whenever I read it, it feels that way. It feels like the book that doesn't matter. I guess, well, and in this amazing around the corner, what's the point of that? I don't understand why give Aaron another title to kind of have there on the side. Well, that one, again, I feel like, that feels like a Savage Wolverine. It could go that way. Or because the first arc is we're going to I guess what hell or some dimension to basically get Nightcrawler back. Okay, that's a story. That's a mini series. Give me a reason for this to be a book, and I, I think that's part of the problem is that they keep launching these new ongoings that don't really have a reason to exist as an ongoing. Right. Like like the the Jubilee story in X Men that could have just been a, uh, a mini series. It could have been a Jubilee miniseries, rebringing back in Sublime, mm-hmm. you know, putting this team together. Okay, yeah. why does it have to be an ongoing? Well, why do you need my money on an ongoing basis? I agree. What do I get from this? I yeah. mean, obviously, we're far from the days where continuity was king, and it was all you know that mattered to everyone. Continuity doesn't matter to most people, so you have to give me a hook to buy this book. Besides, just look, I put all the female characters of the X Men together. Cool. Okay, that's your initial like byline. Yes, you're bringing Jubilee back. Great. Why you know do I what? keep? Why do I buy issue five? Yeah. Well, if it's not part of a crossover, which it is. So why do I buy issue seven then? Like, what's to keep me coming back? Right. So I mean, especially as people grow up and as incomes become, you know, it's theoretically more, but the obligations become more as well. You don't have the money to spend on every X book. I mean, no, not at all. And with this being a thousand X books, a thousand Avengers books, it's just oh, Avengers is ridiculous, and <sighs> I think Avengers is even more criminal in terms of how they use that name. Because they throw it on every book. Like, Avengers AI doesn't need to be called that. It's just a bunch of Hank Pym and... It could be the Hank Pym show. Like, that's basically what it is, but they're calling it Avengers. They don't even really call themselves Avengers, but that's what it is. Avengers Arena. 
No, it's not an Avengers book. It's, no, it's people from everywhere. It's 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 young Marvel is basically young Marvel dying. Like that's <laughs> what that book is. But they need the Avengers name on it, and it, it yeah, it seems atrocious. Avengers Assemble. It started out with being this is the movie squad. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's and it was Bendis and it was a big launch, and now it's just kind of around and it's kind of it's the Wolverine X Men of the Avengers line, right? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's it, I mean, it was never even a flagship. It was just kind of to capitalize on something yeah, for sure. And now it's this there, and it's like teen, it's done crossovers with like Captain Marvel, which is a low selling solo Avenger book. Like I just don't understand the need for that book anymore. If you're reading Avengers, just read New Avengers and Avengers. Those are the I mean, those are the Hickman ones. Those are the ones that affect Infinity. You can read Uncanny Avengers. It might be fun, but even that one doesn't feel as important. No, Mainly because there. Well, pro- pro- part of the problem with that one is the shipping. It got delayed, and now I think it's coming out fairly regularly, but I've I've fallen off. Like, I, I don't know. Something about it just didn't... Yeah, it's not a book that I'm excited to read every every week. The art's month, part of it yeah. for me. It doesn't have True. a marquee. You don't like Akuna, and we and I Cassie's hate Akuna. And Cassidy's yeah. Cassidy wasn't the same as as he used to no, be. So it wasn't astonishing. I all. mean, at least with like all new X Men was a strong launch because you had a very clear vision in the story, and you also had some great artists. You had Imminent, and then you had people like Marquez, and who was able to kind of do what. Eminem does a little bit different yeah. but, it, but it felt consistent it's always been a beautiful book it's always been a good looking book yeah. and there's been slight differences in the art but it it had this visual consistency I can't stand the Irving stuff in Uncanny no it's not been yeah Uncanny for me has been really like mm, this could have been good and then it was like whoa yeah. what is up like you couldn't have more varying art styles between Pachalo exactly. and, and Irving it's just I wasn't a big fan of Irving when he did Batman Incorporated either, so I've, I'm an equal opportunity. It's funny all Irving the hater. all the issues that Bookshallow has done, I've been a fan of because the the stories have been good in those issues. Yeah. It seems like you're Irving on it, you're getting a guarantee. <laughs> well, I guess what part of that is is also, um, you know, Ben Bendis progressing and learning as a writer and learning how to tailor his scripts to his artist. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's to an artist we don't necessarily like, and then when he does tailor it to that artist, it it impacts how we enjoy the story. So, I mean, good for Bendis for developing himself as a writer and, and starting to learn how to write, you know, with particular people, um, but not so good if you're not a fan of the artist. No. Uh, so those are the X books. Now, are you, have you been following Superior Spider-Man? Uh, I can't remember the last issue I read what happened. I think the last issue I read was when he went with, with his new army yeah. and took down Shadowland. That was cool. That's the last issue And did you see what happened with Hobgoblin, like, at the end? Or did you get... Because there was like a, it was almost, it wasn't a two parter, but at the end of one issue, he kind of took down Shadowland, and Hobgoblin was disappeared. They kind of disappeared, and he was trying to hunt him down, and he revealed his identity to the world. And then the next issue was him taking down Phil Yurik. Okay. Did you get to the taking down of Phil Yurik? No, or? I'm not too sure. Which the oh, okay. Shadowland. You're missing out on some good stuff. I know. Well, now uh, Miguel O'Hara is in, right? Oh my God, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, and you can see that they've been seeding this for a while. Um, that they that they were definitely building up to something like this. Okay. And uh, although if you if you read solicits going back like a year and a half, actually not a year and a half because they ended up going on that long, uh, maybe five months. They keep mentioning that they were talking about a Spider Man who's been you know out of time, but they just kept pushing pushing the story back. So, anyways, Miguel O'Hara, Ryan Stegman's doing gorgeous work. Good. Like even for him, it's gorgeous. Like you know, like we're you and I are already huge fans of his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, his covers from Scarlet Spider and his interiors on that very short-lived run he had on that book were brilliant, but this is better. Um, he a- absolutely seems to love drawing um, 2099. 
and it's fantastic. It's good, eh? Just his covers, too, like, to the Superior Spider-Man. So good. That book is so good. It has so many different artists who jump on it. Like, I guess there's just three of them who alternate, but they all bring something special to it. So, I love Superior Spider-Man. I'm double-dipping now. I buy it and trade in singles. Can't wow. help it. Can't help myself. I want people to read it. I was like, hey, Nate, take this. And I'm like, here's the first two trades. He's like, all right, well, I guess so. Yeah. It hasn't been bad. You no. just, you, if you can just settle for the Doc Hawk switch, it's not bad. Which I can, because, yeah. again, he's going to be back eventually. Who yeah, we all know. We all know. Exactly. It does make it's it more heart wrenching to watch because I don't know how Peter's going to deal with what's happened to his life. Well, yeah, that's the crazy part. I mean, the longer it goes on, the more you're like, holy shit, what, what's going to happen, you know? Uh, but that also makes it more exciting because. Especially, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, so I'll just vaguely talk about it. Um, you know, for the first like, 15 or 16 issues, Doc Ock has made Peter Parker's life, for the most part, better. All right, he's made Spider-Man's life more effective. Uh, he's done things that Spider-Man never would have thought to do. Nope. Um, obviously, he's breached certain territory by having his own spider army and having uh, Spider Island working for him. Um, but, uh, but that's all really cool. And then in the most recent issue, it starts to feel like we're starting to feel him falling apart a little because there's too many variables that he can't control what happens when a man like doc ock is overwhelmed right and that's cool because we haven't seen that yet we've seen a doc ock totally in control loving his body loving what he can do now having the intellect and then also having this body that he can really do more things with it um so yeah i'm absolutely loving the book obviously peter parker's on his way back at some point um in december there's i think 700.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4, 0.5 coming out. Don't know why. There's been no real reason given. Just that here's Peter Parker. Is he actually back? Because Superior Spider-Man's also running. You just want me to buy five more issues for no reason. Well, it's the beginning of the return. I guess. Yeah, but uh, Marvel has to stop with the points. Well, this is a segue into this thing. All new Marvel now. Yeah. Why? I why, don't know. why, why? It's so foolish. So why not just call it phase three or phase four or whatever you want to call it? Of don't even change it. You have a status quo. No, I know, but You're like, fine. but Marvel now. I mean, like DC New Fifty Two. Every I mean, whenever they would cancel a book, they bring out a new book and they call it like Wave Two, Wave Three. Right, but it's not so, on their books. They don't market it. Yeah, they don't actually call it that way. But it's just the nomenclature so people can kind of follow and they know huh. that these are coming. That's what they should have done with this because originally they'd said we're going to do Marvel now. This is the first wave. Then they started talking about a second wave, but I think it was like one or two books. And then they kind of stopped talking about it. Yeah. And now we have this all new Marvel yeah. now, which I guess is fine, but don't call books 24 point now. No. And then equals no. Avengers 1 and the all new... Like, what? Yeah, don't do that. Don't screw with people. Yeah, you're not gonna... Like, you've already restarted all your numbering for yeah. all your books, right? Well, it's because they, the, they, they did such a good job of it, and now they're changing the status quo. And they, they're... But why? Why? You have a good status quo. It doesn't need to be changed every freaking year. Well, have, have you read Infinity at all? No. Sorry? Do you know what's coming? Do you know what it's anything. called? Anything. No, have, I... you, have you heard of Inhumanity? Yes. Okay. That's, that's, the new, that. that's the next new thing. And so it's changing the Marvel Universe in a big way. Because something happens in Infinity. Oh, yeah, don't they? I think I see a picture of like Black Bolt crying over... What's Inhumans... Um, home place called Adeline. Adeline. Was he in half or something? Um, you haven't read Island? Infinity, so no, I'm not going to say anything. Either. But things shit goes down. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And sure. and both with Adeline like and with the and so. with the Inhumans as a people. Um, so it definitely impacts them, and that's kind of going to the next big thing. Um, I, I I I guess that that's why they want to have this kind of new rollout, but they don't have to. They, I th- they had no, so much success they, they, that that's why they want to do it. Yeah, but you don't need to... 
if you're gonna do this in humanity, just then do the banner like heroic age and and I that agree. kind of stuff. The main reason why I agree with you though is because Marvel now very felt like here's all new stories. It wasn't just that it was a new status quo because really they didn't change the status quo that much. It was more we're shuffling all of our creative teams and doing like fresh new takes on all these characters. So Captain America, Rick Remender takes them to the Dimension Z. You have yes, that's right, Z. I'm Canadian. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> Then you have, you know, then you have Hickman takes over the Avengers books, a clear new direction. Oh, very now, clear. But Different now direction. with with all new Marvel now, uh, at least in in Avengers and New Avengers, Hickman's still there, so there's no difference. Exactly. So that's what bothers What's all me. New? There's nothing all new. There's nothing really all new. No. Basically, a status quo shift has occurred, but you don't need to to have it give it its own branding, um, especially because it's really kind of dumb. Like Marvel now is already something, but now it's all new Marvel now. Like. Yeah. There's a reason why people were happy that you were called Marvel now because it seemed more timeless. Exactly. And if people, if new readers want to hop on and go, they will talk to friends who know comic books. They will talk mm-hmm. to the guy at the comic book store and he can say, you know what, this arc has ended, this issue starts with something yeah. new. You can go from here. I don't need to confuse people with these points and these dot nows and all this ridiculousness. Just well, I think write good books. It also falls into, like, if you remember back in 2005, everything became a new book. New Avengers, new like well, I mean, New X Men had already existed, but it had gone back to being X Men. Right. Then there was like an, again a new a new a new new X Men. It was just they started getting new everywhere. Like, yes, that they was did. that yeah. was the big you the know prefix word, yeah. you know du jour, and now it's all new. So you had all new X Men, and they got the all new Invaders, and then whatever else they cuck up. But I mean. But you know what? This is what we're used to seeing. This. This is what Marvel know. and DC do. It's every few years you're going to have this kind of publishing trick. You're going to have them change the name of this, or you know, relaunch this, reboot that. I mean, unfortunately, if you've been a fan of comics for the last whatever, but especially the last ten, fifteen, twenty years, you're going to see this every few years. I guess so. I still feel there is an abundance of oversaturation. I look through previews magazine every month, mm-hmm. and I just flip through stuff and go, "Yeah, don't care, don't care, don't care." You give me a whole bunch of stuff. And you're you're cramming all this stuff down my throat, mm. and you know. Then don't buy it, though. I no, mean, I know, I know, I don't. I buy mean, it. ultimately, that is that's that's how you make your mark as a consumer. Yeah. It's not necessarily about what you buy, but what you don't buy. I mean, it's. I don't think it's sad. all drivel. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some there's some good stories and arcs in some of these things, but you know, you know, I enjoyed Scarlet Spider, but they're canceling that book. Right? Yeah. I enjoyed Venom. They're canceling that. I mean, I can see why they would cancel both those books. I mean, they weren't necessarily the greatest books, and they always felt like books that were destined for, for cancellation. At some point. Like, the fact that we got two years of Scarlet Spider is kind of a, a small miracle. Very um, true. Like, you know, like, you would have expected we get maybe a year. Uh, like, Alpha Flight didn't even make it past eight issues. It it was launched as a mini. Alpha Flight never gets any credit. Then made into an ongoing, and then reverted back nice. to a mini. Yeah. All, all in one big fell swoop. I mean, yeah. it was... Ended up being just eight issues. I mean, it's sad. What do you think of... Sorry, to go back to something that happened, I guess, a month or so ago, mm. they announced uh, Justice League Canada. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. Fan Expo, right? What a joke that is. Yeah. Whatever. It's like a storyline. It's a storyline where they're hiding out in Canada. Come on. Mm. Jeff Lemire, he's Canadian. Yeah, I know. And he's so proud. To... I read the article on the Star <laughs> or something. Yeah, I'm so happy writing the story. Don't worry. We're going to have some, you know, not just and Seelis, nobody characters. We're not going to be the, the DC Alpha Flight. We're gonna, like, Batman is going to be there. Don't worry. Like, well, not on. that that's really a guarantee for success because Justice uh, Justice League International didn't survive long in the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Well, you know what? At that, you know, I have not read a DC book since the end of Johns's Run on Green Lantern. Eh? Really? I have not read. You're it. done, eh? Well, I, I guess I'm taking a long break for sure, but I haven't even 
No, eh? no interest. This past month has been interesting because uh, New Fit, um, they had their big villains month. The villains month, yeah. With all the weird numbering and all the three D covers, and it got all allocated for a lot of people in the states. Um, I've been, I've actually kind of enjoyed some of them. A lot. Some of them were uh, like there was one for Zod that was terrible. It was just it was a waste of time. But it's interesting that they they were definitely trying to build them in and around what's happening in Forever Evil, which I don't know if you know what's been happening there. <laughs> Justice League is dead. The CSA has basically come from Earth three because they like doing multiple Earths, and they've kind of taken over. And they kind of said, you know, the 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 villains can inherit the Earth. Um, there was an interesting one shot. Well, it's not a one shot, but it essentially is uh, with Court of Owls, which it was like a, it was like a, a Batman and Robin like point issue, but really it should have just been a Talon issue. But because Talon wouldn't sell nearly as well as Batman and Robin, they made it a Batman and Robin issue. But it was written by the regular writer of Talon, and it's basically featuring Talon characters, and it was basically a Talon book. <laughs> but we can't call it that because they know that it won't sell. It's such a weird. It's a weird industry. Like, we love the industry, but at the same time, we kind of hate it, too. You know, it's such an interesting industry that people who love it also can't stand so much of it. Um, Yeah, so that's... Inhumanity is the next big thing from... uh, From Marvel. From Marvel. Yeah, I'm not not a huge fan of the Inhumans. I'm not probably going to read much of Inhumanity by Matt Fraction. It's got art by... Is it Joe Matt? Yeah. I yeah. wasn't that impressed by the cover they released. It kind of felt... Some guy in a hoodie with glowing eyes? Yeah. yeah. I was like, eh, whatever. I didn't I didn't feel the need to read more about that. Well, maybe like maybe they're trying to find a way to reinvigorate that part of Marvel, right? They're trying to bring Cosmic oh, in Oh, it's because they've, they've rumored for years that that might be one of like the Phase 3 movies. One of the movies, yeah. So it makes sense to... And like uh, more than ever, the comic books and are kind of starting to do things where then it's going to somehow, somehow reflect very... the movies. Odd group of characters like so it's the Guardians of the Galaxy, Mad and Black Bolt and Medusa and Lockjaw. They have more of a history within the Marvel universe than the Guardians of the Galaxy. Though. Fair enough. And the Guardians of the Guardians Galaxy got a movie. Cool characters. Well, that's arguable because there's some really cool things with humans. Like Black Bolt alone is fantastic. But that being said, he's so hard to do in a movie. He can't talk. He can talk yeah. You know, you know he had this big moment in that movie where he has to whisper and destroy a mountain or something. Uh, he does say something to Thanos in Infinity 3 and it's awesome. Okay. Just saying. Like that doesn't really give away much, but he uh no, he, had, he has a word or two <laughs> saved for Thanos. See, no. he he's a great character. I don't know how you would translate to the screen. So, same with Medusa, because... He just needs a presence, right? Yeah. It's all about presence, because he can't talk, right? True. He's got to come across as this big badass that you don't want to mess with or ever make speak, because he mm-hmm. will... Before we move into kind of, like, talking a little bit more about movies, mm. etc., uh, anything else from your reading pile that you want to talk about? My reading pile. Well, Scott Spider, you're caught up on the second trade? I, well, I just got the second oh, trade after my debacle with uh, Amazon. The latter, so. the latter half of it is a little weak. Oh, I'll warn you. Okay. It gets better in the next trade, though, which okay. hasn't you know been come out yet. But no. eventually, when you buy it, it's really good. Yeah, well, uh, other being, well, I guess five trades total, maybe once it's all said and done. Is maybe even six. that? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, five if you include uh, minimum carnage. Yeah, which I have as well. Yeah, yeah okay. which was kind of a waste of time. I know. Well, a big thing I read recently, actually, because um, I had gone to I'm a big Transformers guy, and I went to TFCon, and I met. Um, a lot of the people who write the ongoings for Transformers currently. Okay. Uh, so I had some of the trades, and it was really cool. I got to have like uh, the writer, the artist, and the anchor who obviously have kind of signed the book. That's right? awesome. So, uh, and that was on two different trades, I think, which was really nice. 
And I felt kind of weird talking to him because they asked me, you know, did you like the book, this and that, kind of the light of them and say, oh yeah, that's good stuff. But I haven't actually read it yet, right? You so... liar. I hope they're listening right now. <laughs> they're not, but no. if they were, man, that Paul Scores, he's a liar. What a douche, yeah. But uh, no, I, I flipped through and I, I have a general idea of what's, what's happening, but uh, I haven't really, really read it. Um, so I went back and I whipped out. Um, you whipped it out? Yes, just everywhere. And uh, read, I guess, Mike Costa's run on Transformers. Okay. Um, and uh, kind of disappointed with the overall run of it. Wasn't good? No, it wasn't really good. It wasn't memorable. Which uh, kind of characters did it focus on? <sighs> like well, the standard ones you'd expect? I or? know. It gives you the cold... It, okay, it comes off the heels of All Hell Megatron. Okay. And the All Hell Megatron kind of starting Transformers where Megatron essentially wins. He takes over Earth. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was... It, so it's it, Dark Reign Transformer style. Pretty much. Done. Yeah. I'm there. There you go. Mentally, I'm there. There you go. I get it. So, um, eventually Autobots come save the day. They take back Earth. But now the humans know about the Transformers, right? And uh, they're very scared of them. And they've now made a defense team to fight against them. Okay. Um, that never goes well. Yeah, and the Autobots are hiding in secret. They want to help rebuild for the destruction they caused, but they know they really can't because the mm-hmm. humans don't trust them, right? They don't know bought from Khan. Yeah. Um, so eventually Optimus Prime surrenders himself okay. to the humans and tries to bridge that gap a bit, and he does. Um, and one of my biggest problems with Transformers right now is this, this need to make Bumblebee the uh, next big leader of the world. It, really? Yeah. He's supposed to be just kind of a... a little scout. Yes, yeah. that's what you remember him as, as, as the old right? school so like, character. Yeah, little bug, little Bumblebee. You can thank the movies for that. Yeah, absolutely, right? You want to make Bumblebee as big badass. But it works when you make Bumblebee a Camaro and a, and a more of a warrior that works. And, you know, Transformers Prime, they made him... He was still a scout, but he was still, um, you know, a low one. He was still a scout and a warrior, and he could be badass, and that was okay. Um, actually... Funny enough, in the recent movie that just came out for Transformers Prime to kind of finish off this series called mm-hmm. Predacons Rising, again, here they, they, they took Optimus Prime and Ultra Magnus off the board early. Why? And they pushed Bumblebee again to be, you know, this leader out of the woodwork. Is this supposed know? to be Rodimus? There's no Rodimus in, uh, oh, there's not? in Transformers Prime, at least. Oh, okay. Right? Um, anyway, so yeah, the cops are run... For those who are at home, he just rolled his eyes at me. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> Adam, he's not in Prime. <laughs> You're yeah. so behind. Um, no, but Constantine overall wasn't... Like, there's even a small um, storyline called Heart of Darkness in there, done by uh, Landing and Bennett from oh. the cosmic stuff from yeah. Marvel. So I was looking forward to that. It focused on Galvatron. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't very good at all. No, eh? No, it wasn't good. And the art was brutal in it. Um, it was basically Galvatron... Transformers is a hard property with the art. Like, it either really works or it really doesn't. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of middle ground with Transformers art. To a certain extent, yeah. There's a lot of inconsistencies, uh, in some of the character designs and stuff, too. Like, some people would draw them based on what they wanted them to look in this new comic universe for IDW. Okay. And other artists drew them much more G1-ish. And it was really hard. Um, I guess, like, good art. Okay. Okay. Um, and just from a consistency point of view, you'd have, like, Thundercracker, for example, the Jets would sometimes be F-22s, or they'd be basically F-15s. Like, they couldn't seem they to couldn't. pick okay. what Jets they're supposed to be, right? And I get they could pick a form anytime they wanted, but it, it just seemed like from issue to issue, not, or maybe from arc to arc, it would sometimes change. Uh, that If that had been at Marvel, you could have uh, gotten a no prize by explaining what, what happened. <laughs> you missed out on an opportunity there. I guess so. So it just kind of, it started off focused on Earth, and then it kind of went to 
this place where Megatron was returns from being okay. beaten, and then he comes back. And that's he, every that's every Tuesday. Yeah, and he owns the Autobots, but then surrenders himself, and then him and Prime have this weird heart to heart, and then they all have to go back to Cybertron and stop Galvatron from pulling shit up there. Okay, and it's called Chaos, right? And then another group of Autobots is still left on Earth trying to almost expose their human allies for pulling shit behind their backs. And it just weird conspiracy theory thing. Sounds like there's, it was a little busy. Yeah. And then it ends abruptly with Prime having used the Matrix to stop this Heart of Darkness weird Again, crap. I feel like that happens every five yeah, minutes. Yeah, the Matrix. Yeah. Does it? No, I, I obviously don't read a lot of Transformers no. comics. I haven't read a lot since uh, Dreamwave was doing them back in the day with their, the first two storylines they did. Um, it feels like... Do they always kind of go to the same kind of trope? Or they're like... Like, obviously, they have a, a wide range of characters they can use. Yes. But do they often kind of go beyond what you'd expect, or is it... Like I think it, they're getting away from it now. Okay. I think with these new two ongoing books, uh, based on... I, it's almost like a red and gold team. You have okay. two different core groups kind of doing separate things. Gotcha. One is Earth-based, one is space-based, I believe. Instead of and, doing it all in one book. Yeah. So well, now you have some better. Yeah, now you have two books kind of having their own identities, their own teams... And I can, they're finally coming to a head to do a crossover recently okay. uh, at, at TFCon. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So I, I, I had these trays and bringing these runs, and I thought, oh, this wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. There's there some moments, for yeah. sure. But overall, I was like, I'm glad I blew through these because it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, really enjoyable. And I'm looking more forward to what's upcoming because I know the, the current writer, James Roberts, uh, who wrote one of the ongoings, he kind of helped finish off and I guess helped lead into where he's going. Okay. So um, it would be interesting to see where they decide to go with that in the Transformer comics. Uh, something I've read recently, uh, it's very old. Um, I got my uh, the newly reprinted version of the Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1, which is issues, I think, uh, Giantize X-Men number 1 and Uncanny X-Men 94 to, I think, 131. And I was reading the first few issues of this of this Omnibus. It's very heavy, so I can only read a few issues at a time. And uh, I was, one thing I like about the Omnibuses, or sorry, Omnibuy, is that they include full letters pages, normally. So you can see the original letters pages from like 1975 oh, wow. when people were writing in. People hated Chris Claremont. It's really fascinating because that's how kind of when he eventually came back, that's kind of the letters he was getting then. Um, but like they really hated the direction. And they're like, get rid of this team. This is garbage. Like there's, they actually printed a few of these letters being like, these are not the X-Men. Get rid of this. I hate this. Keep Wolverine, maybe. Get rid of everyone else. Don't want them, any of them. Wow. And everyone's like, Wolverine's a punk. Uh, I don't like Thunderbird. Kill him off. They did. And it's like the, sec- the third the third issue he was in. Um, it was, and it's just really interesting to, to kind of see from a historical perspective what people were actually thinking. And the fact that Marvel actually printed them. Because in one of them, like, the guy just goes on a tirade. He's like, I know you're probably not going to write, the, you know, print this letter. But they did. Wow. You know, and I love that stuff and the fact that old Marvel wasn't afraid to kind of show that not everyone liked their books and that they really would print a lot of different types of responses to their stuff and seeing that, like, nowadays we think of that run as being this golden age era of the X-Men with, you know, the Claremont's original stuff is very strong, great ideas, you have the original Phoenix stories, like, all this stuff is happening and yet a lot of people at the time were not quite ready for it because they were like... Where's you know where's Iceman? Where's Angel? Where's Beast? Why are they not on this team? Right. You know, and then there's like three or four issues into the run, Jean Grey comes back and he's like, this one guy's like, oh thank goodness she's back because it just isn't the same without her. And I'm like, wow, I love that stuff. Like, because we take for granted so much of the X Men stuff now, and it's interesting to look at a time where the book didn't sell, but the minute they changed something, 
like the letters pages was the truest form of what we now have the, as the internet. Yes. You know, now it's an instant expression of I hate this. I have to let everyone know. Then people wrote letters and they wrote them in, and you know, if they didn't have a lot of mail, they'd actually put them in no. a book. Well, fun fact, and also circling back to Transformers just a bit, um, I wrote a letter to, to Dreamwave. Really? And they printed it in the, one of the last issues of Transformers Armada, I believe. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. It was a total random rant of crap. But of course it was. It was in they there. all are. Yeah. The um, best ones are. It, it, the only bummer was, the, it was one of those ones where, you know, Unicron, and I, air quotes here okay. answered back the letter when they had the, oh, the character kind of do a thing that sucks it kind of but at the end of the day like it was cool to have it's one so cool of, to have your name in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure that's awesome yeah. that's actually one thing I like I have a lot of trade paperbacks I wish they would reprint especially for stuff in the 90s and, and, and earlier back when they used to have letters pages I wish they'd reprint them because I remember reading those like like Uncanny X-Men like back in the day during Onslaught and you'd be reading all these people being like conjecture about what they thought was going to happen who's the X-Trader who's the third summary brother people coming up with all their concepts and ideas people trying to get no prizes I love that shit and it's all gone and like I understand in current comics why it's not there everything's kind of moved online it makes sense they wouldn't necessarily waste time printing letters pages they still do it in Marvel books now some books did DC ever do it? Um, they used to back in the day. Really? Like, okay. well, again, like by back in the day, I'm saying like '90s and earlier. But okay. they used to like I I appreciate those things. They're like little mini time capsules. They kind of remind you of when you're reading these stories mm-hmm. and what people were thinking. And I wish we would get more of those reprinted. Uh, that's what I like, as I said about the on the buy. That usually they include the letters pages, cool. so you can kind of see that. Um, like even like I have the Amazing Spider-Man omnibus from 1963. You know, right. All of the, the first 39 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. It's just so interesting to see what people were thinking. That's very cool, because every now and again I do dabble in the letter columns on various comics just to see what people are doing. They usually tend to print pretty good stuff. They usually print a lot of garbage. No. Whether it's pro or against the book, which is nice. Yeah, it's usually pretty well... uh, It's it's usually, even if they don't like it, it's usually at least well-reasoned or well-written, and it's not like, well, I don't like this. Yeah. I hate reading an article now, and then, you know, again, out of curiosity, checking some of the comics that people write, and just the idiocy... That people do and the flaming oh, and yeah. that phase for a while where people had to write first. Oh my god, that was what, the worst. Who cares thing about ever. that? Yeah, I'm the first person. That was what I wrote. I'm first. Great. It, no comment. What did that accomplish? Just first, right? <laughs> Whoopty flipping do. I'm glad that well, lasted for a while, but I'm glad it's still away there. Now. It's still there. Is it still there? Oh, it's everywhere. Oh, stupid. It, it may not be as prevalent wherever you are, which board you're like, on. Is there a but... contest? Is there a prize? Is there something like? Is there I a free there car is. in the end? I don't know. About? I really hope there is. I hope there is. I'm on top of that. I hope one person hits like a million first and somewhere, you know, the, the president of the internet gives him a car. Like, yeah, you're it's right. the it first is, prize. Like, it is very stupid. I don't understand no, why people I... do that. Um, <laughs> so that was, that, that's what something I've been reading lately. You realize how something to post it first on this podcast now? I hope so, yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, you better. I want to see a race for first. If I had a prize, I should come up with something. Let's, I'll, I'll autograph a piece of paper for you. <laughs> You were first, Adam Jabin, Comic Shenanigans. I'll get Paul to sign it. I'll, I'll get the entire too. Comic Shenanigans crew. Yeah. All the people who've guest starred on the show will all sign this, and we'll mail it out to the person who says first. Yeah, a nice poster. Make yeah. sure you uh, you provide your uh, your mailing contact. Someone's <laughs> going to take me up on the this. second post after you yeah. first. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> going to take me up on this. My last episode, I, I said there's some stuff I wanted to sell, like these larger Heroclix miniatures, and there were a couple people who were like, you know, hook it up. Let's let's talk about it. And I was like, 
Wow, the only only detriment there is shipping it to the states is expensive. It is. Yeah. Otherwise, I would totally do that. So I gotta get on that and get back to some people. Um, so we were talking briefly about movies, etc. And I wanted to touch on. Uh, I'm sure next year, before the movie season, we'll do a movies episode where we'll have hopefully a Nate, Amber, yourself, and, and me talking about all the comic book movies coming out next mm-hmm. year. But I also like talking about it now because I'm I'm always interested in it. We just wound up, you know, kind of. Uh, Wound up this year's season. Um, I guess to quickly backtrack, Iron Man three. You liked it, loved it. You loved it. Buying it Tuesday. You're buying it Tuesday. Yep. I, I'm excited. I want to borrow it from you only for the Agent Carter shirt. Okay. Have you heard about it? It's no. the. It, you know that every on each of these Marvel um, releases, they always have Marvel one shot. Even yeah, these those, right? Yeah. And there was one on the Avengers one was the longest one so so far. It was the item forty seven or something with a gun, right? The yeah. Gun, yeah. Um, and everyone speculated that one of those characters would be in the S.H.I.E.L.D. show, and then they weren't, so it was unfortunate. Um, anyways, the new one is, uh, it's called Agent Carter, and it's, uh, all about Peggy Carter from the Captain America movie. Okay. And she has her own adventure, and there are rumors that they might try and develop it into a TV show. Yeah, I saw some posts on that, yeah. And I think that would only really work if you were able to get the same actress, because... 100%. If you can't get Hayley Atwell, then I don't see the point, but I'm very excited to see her back as that character. Would that fly, you think, as a TV show? Solo? Probably not. Yeah. Well, you know what? You buy. never know because like Mad Men's a show and it's you know this this drama set in the '60s and about advertisers and like that. If you were to pitch that to me, I'd be like, I don't really see a show there. Yet it somehow it's fascinating drama. So you have this character heading up what is essentially the earliest version of Shield. Okay, uh, well, working with like you know the Shield framework, but in the you know in post World War Two, that could be interesting. You got the beginnings of the Cold War, you have all you could you know, you could you could recast some of the Howler the Howling Commandos, you could see Shield forming. It could be interesting. It could be a period drama say you know, don't do it on network television if you can help it, although it's ABC, like it's Disney. You probably would be on network television, but like keep it as like a almost like a mini series of Yeah, say but it's a mini series, not as an ongoing like Season one, two, three TV show kind of thing. I don't know. I I want to believe it could work because the Marvel universe is rich enough, and they've already built this world that they don't even have to do as much heavy lifting. And then you you throw in some Easter eggs here and there. It's basically Agents of Agents of Shield again, but the in first the past, Agents of yeah, Shield. I don't know. <laughs> the earliest Agents of Shield. No. I don't know. Anyways, I'm excited for Agent Carter at any rate. Okay. So I, at some point we'll need to borrow that. I don't know when I'm buying Iron Man three. So. Okay. I I almost rather a um. If they do well, and you know, little cameos of random characters, and then they can do a spinoff, almost a Young Avengers spinoff mm. from Agents of the Shield kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be more up my alley. I want there to be like three or four shows all by Marvel, so I can just have Marvel Night. And I just <laughs> sit down and I just put on a bunch of shows. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like that would be my dream. And then, I, and then I go watch another Marvel movie. Like I want everything to be Marvel. Superheroes are huge now. It's crazy. If DC could get their act together and make more shows, then by all means, I would be happy to. You heard what they're doing with Flash, right? They're introducing Flash to the Arrow show. They're going to bring Barry Allen into a, a three episodes a season, two episodes in the earlier half of the season, and then a backdoor pilot at the end of the season where he's going to become the Flash, get the costume, and they're going to spin him off into his own show. No way. Now, the only thing that bugs me about that is it'd be a perfect time to make the movie guy be the same as the TV guy or do something like that. But it sounds like they're not going to do that. That's so dumb. we're going to have a live-action Flash and a small-screen Flash. That's... It's not like it can't work. You had Smallville going at the same time as Superman Returns. 
Not that that was a great movie, but you have two <laughs> versions of Superman at the same time. Like, it can't exist. I know, but DC, if they're going to get their, their stuff together for any type of Justice League, they need to kind of do something to make it work. And introducing Flash in that route, and they bring them to the big leagues. The only problem sense. with that is that if you spin it off from Arrow, is that now Arrow is part of the, the DC universe, and maybe that's not a the direction they want to go. Like, maybe they don't want to involve it that way. Like, cause, because if you're involving Flash in, in Arrow, so there's crossover potential there, but then if you're bringing Flash and in in that Flash into the movies, you are, by association, bringing in Arrow. And maybe they don't want to do that. I, there are, I mean, I can understand it. It makes sense if you're going to bring, if you're going to do a Flash show, springboard it out of Arrow. It's obviously a successful show. People are really enjoying it. Okay, it makes sense. Make a backdoor pilot. It's just too bad they couldn't use a different DC character that they're not just about to use in a big screen. It's bad enough at Marvel we're going to have two different versions of Quicksilver. That's really weird, yeah. I mean, who That's knows? That's confuse people. I don't know, because, I mean, Fox downplays most things about mutants, generally. They don't give them their iconic costumes normally. They don't say a lot about them. They just, half the times they use their powers and don't really build the character. Like, for a lot of the X-Men characters, they threw in so many characters that a lot of them didn't feel like they actually had a persona. Even Cyclops, who was he in the movies? Could you really say what he was like as a character? No. They didn't give you much to go on. They gave you Wolverine, Magneto, and, Cy and uh, Charles Xavier, and a little bit of Jean Grey. And that was about it. And Rogue, I guess. Yeah. But besides those, could you really tell me a lot about the motivations of those characters? Fair to say. I mean, Iceman wanted to get in Rogue's pants. I mean, that was his motivation, wasn't it? Come on. Yes, it was. You know, but so I'm, I'm, I'm curious how they would go. Two different Quicksilvers. Obviously, Josh Whedon's will be better. <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah, right? Josh knows how to work here. Plus, he'll have a sister to you know to, to hang out with, and that just that's that's a strong relationship. Yes, I don't understand. I don't understand most things about why Marvel does. I'm sorry, but Fox does what they do. Anyways, well, it's amazing that Marvel allowed it to happen. I suppose, but well, I think that that they were. I think there there was a lot of discussion over what was the actual feeling between the studios and how. Like, are they okay with it, or are they just kind of saying that they're okay with it? I mean, it's kind of crazy to have... Like, has that ever really happened anywhere? Where a character who is definitely a copyrighted character is being used by two different companies for totally different projects? Like, that's... I mean, I'm, uh, like, Sherlock Holmes and stuff, that's, you know, fair game, because it's in the in the, in the uh, public realm. But, you know, Quicksilver is very much owned by Marvel, and they somehow the license got shared. I, I really don't get it's how that works. Like, yeah. Um, all politics all behind the scenes crap. yeah like Quicksilver can't be called a mutant in Avengers because mutants and that and everything tied up with mutants is that's Fox. easy enough not to do oh yeah but it's too bad because I mean some of what makes Quicksilver cool now and not when he was originally created but is that he was Magneto's son and the whole idea of his his dad basically being a terrorist and yet him being trying to kind of break out of that shadow with his sister and protect his sister from his father um, again, originally he didn't know it was his father, so you don't need that element, but it always adds a little bit extra spice. Yeah. So. Well, it'd be nice if, if one day down the road they we, they can just do the movies without this big without gap. about it? Yeah. yeah. Double, double studio crap. Because you'd want the Marvel Universe to be the Marvel Universe. You'd want to see the Avengers and X-Men team up and stuff like that. Like, you know. Okay. So we've probably got about, you know, 15, 20 minutes left and we want to talk about movies. Okay. So this year, we had stuff come out. You enjoyed Iron Man 3. Did. I was a little lukewarm at times. Yes. I think I've maybe warmed up a little bit more in my mind now. Um, Star Trek, what do you think? I enjoyed Star Trek. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. 
I um, think I maybe came up with some silly complaints uh, when I did the <laughs> podcast. But the more I think about it, the more I do want to watch it again. So that's usually a good... Like, I, I'm more excited about watching Star Trek again than watching Iron Man again, I would say. Well, fair enough. Okay. No, I just recently saw it, so it's pretty fresh. Again, one thing I don't really enjoy is uh, Mixtures 2 before was just the interior designs of the ships. Like, the bridge looked cool and stuff like that, but it didn't really feel like a Federation Stark ship. Like, the going engineering, it feels like some big, you know... It's a brewery. Power plant, brewery, it's, warehouse thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was odd. Um, the cute role reversal of, you know, Spock and Kirk... Um, the only thing that didn't work for me there is that they haven't been friends long enough for it to mean as much. True. Because that, I mean, you felt more, I mean, and to be fair, and this isn't the movie's fault, but um, we had 60-something episodes of a TV series plus two movies to feel the relationship between, you know, um, uh, Spock and Kirk. Like, you could tell that they were friends because you, you, you had time spent with these characters. That's it's not fair that in this new version we've only seen one movie and then this one. So we only had two movies to see that relationship. I don't think that it feels like there's been long enough for them to be good friends, but at the same time, we also as an audience haven't been given the chance to see them do a lot of adventures together. So it makes it feel not quite as authentic. Very true. Because when like the, when it first happened, I mean that felt much more like holy crap, Spock's dead because you've seen him do like sixty seven different adventures. So this is the one that killed him. Whereas Second adventure, you're dead. I'm like that's what it felt like. Yeah, well, it's just no more. I know, and I know why they did it. Obviously, I yes. mean, it's, it was Wrath of Khan rejiggered. It's it's uh, it's the all new, old, <laughs> all new Wrath, Wrath of Khan. Khan. Exactly. <laughs> um, but overall, enjoy it. it. It makes it action packed, and it was fun. And you know, I know the hardcore Trekkies are up and down about. Yeah. The Abrams stuff, but the day at least you have some type of, some type of Star Trek to watch because it's yeah, it needs to get least... back on TV. I'd love oh. a new Trek series on TV one way or another. Yeah, but I I don't want to I don't know what they I don't want to I don't want a new Trek series in the in the movie continuity. Either. No, no, that's but fine. I think that's where they should go though because if they want to make money, and if they I think if they want eyeballs, I think that they want people to really care. Star Trek has been immensely popular and successful because they were able to make everyone like it. And not just those who were predisposed to like the science fiction. There are drawbacks to that, and they've alienated part of their fan of the hardcore fan base. But ultimately, the people who hold the copyright, etc., only care about who's watching it and how much money they're making. At the end of the day, yes, that's what matters. Okay, but you can still do. You don't have to do the Enterprise stories. No, you could do the Excelsior or some other big name ship. I'm surprised they never really did an Academy style show. You know, like, mm-hmm. Starfleet Academy could be a cool show. That would work, too, yeah. I mean, absolutely. it doesn't need to be... Because that way you can kind of tell different types of stories without having to work. Like, you don't need it to always be, like, this exploration, this new exploration, this new journey. I mean, it could be something different. You could see... I don't know. I think an Academy-style show has a lot of promise, but they've never quite committed to it. Absolutely. You know, all kinds of cameo professors come in, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's for sure. I agree People who that. haven't worked in a while. Yeah. Or at least not in things that we would recognize or know. <laughs> like, I want to see Michael Dorn do some more stuff. Besides just the... Uh, he was in Castle. Is he? He was the uh, the shrink for uh, Detective Beckett in season four. Okay, well, I'm glad he's getting work. Yeah. He's got a great voice. Yes. That voice is booming. Um, what else came out this year? We had Man of Steel. Did you see it? Yes. And? My thing with Man of Steel is we all talked about... We want to see Superman punch something, punch something and do something and for do crazy. For 25 minutes. But not destroy half the planet in the process. They took that complaint and they magnified it, you know, a million fold to mm-hmm. make it... I, 
I can appreciate them trying to show the scale of the power and what could actually. But after happen. a while, it was just punch after punch. Yeah, it got excessive. Like sure. we wanted that punch so bad, but when you give us like a thousand punches, each there's diminishing returns in each punch. Yeah. So by the thousandth punch, it's like, oh, he punched someone again. Well, you never thought you'd say that. After Superman returns, you're like, God damn it, punch just punch somebody. somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't care what it is. Like, yes, you got shot in the eyeball, and that's cool, but just punch someone. Um, but yeah, they just kind of went overboard. I I was a little bit harsh on the movie when I saw it, and but now I realize, like, of all the summer movies, that's the one I want to watch the most again. Oh. Which is interesting to me. And maybe it's because, like, I've listened to the soundtrack a little bit more and trying to visualize it in my head, and I'm trying to think, you know what, maybe I was too harsh. Maybe I do need to see this movie again. I think some of my complaints will still be valid. I do think it was a little, at times, joyless. It was very kind of bleak at times. And for a character like Superman, it's supposed to be full of hope. It was a little disconcerting that that's the direction they're going in. Especially when the Marvel it's Universe... It's going to be dark. It's going to be dark. I know. But the Marvel movies are all about fun. Yes. You know, and playfulness. Yeah. You know, and, and then you go to DC. Seriously, you have to be. But at the end of the day, yeah. But the comics fun. have flipped. The DC, well, maybe pre-New 52... The DC Comics universe was one of enlightenment and hope, and this feeling of, you know, everyone loved the heroes. And then you went to the Marvel Universe, and everyone hates the heroes or doesn't trust them. And then they go to the movies, and it's an absolute flip. Whereas, like, you know, all the Marvel heroes are basically celebrities. And then you have, you know, the DC heroes, and Green Lantern is, like, a little bit way too dark. And you have Superman, way too dark, um, for, for who Superman is. Yes. I mean, if you were doing... Um, I don't know. I don't even know what movie at DC would make more sense with that tone, but it's not a Batman movie. Batman's the only DC hero who should be like depressing. Exactly. Um, so that so Man of Steel, I definitely want to see again. Wolverine, I loved. It you was, loved Wolverine. I really did. I just thought it was it was right. It, it it was the closest Fox has ever done come to really getting an X Men story more or less right. I mean, obviously they changed parts from the original story. Yes. Um, but at least like they hit some serious points, and there's things in there that. I was like, you could tell that someone pushed for them. Like, the fact that they had that whole sequence with Wolverine camping out, like, it didn't need to be in there. Him being sequestered away, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, was it Alberta or somewhere yeah. in, in, you know, North Canada. And him just kind of, you know, and the, the sequence with the bear, him euthanizing the bear and then going after the hunters. That's all in the comic. There was no need for that in the, in the movie. Like, you really could have had a quick scene of him just being isolated and then Yukio finding him. But the fact that they had that entire sequence in there that didn't need to be and didn't actually add anything to the story felt like someone said, no, we have to do this. This is from the original story. You've said you wanted to port these elements of the story. Let's port more more of it, too. Right. I don't know if it was uh, Mark Millar, because he's the creative consultant for Marvel on the, on the Fox films. I don't know, or maybe it was Hugh Jackman saying, I read this story, and it was awesome. I don't know who it was. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just glad that the, it was the closest we've ever come to actually getting an adaptation by Fox. No, it was very good. It was, like, way better than Origins, obviously. Well, that's That's pretty easy. I know. But I'm I'm still kind of... How about losing the adamantium claws? That kind of bugs me That was a little weird at the end, because I'm not quite used to the bone, because I I don't know, the color always looks a little off. Yeah. But, what are you going to do? Is that going to nerf him for his future future past coming up? Yeah, there's time travel. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. You got adamantium in the past. (laughs) All that matters. All I want to see from a Days of Future Past movie is I want to see Wolverine jump up in the air, get blasted by a sentinel, and have his skeleton fall to the ground. 
Because that's what that's one of the most iconic things from the comic. It's very true. And, and also a shot of him with graying temples with a leather jacket on in front of a billboard of, you know, of all the dead characters. All the dead characters. Yeah. That's really what I want to see. Those two shots would make it like, holy crap, soiled myself. Like... <laughs> Those are what that story is well best known for. So we got to be yeah. Those those are the moments. If yeah. you're gonna call it Days of Future Past, you have to really throw in some of these elements. I love that Bishop's in the story though. Like he's not supposed to be originally, but he was in the one of the animated series, and yeah. that one worked. Actually, on a total tangent, but still more or less related. Um, recently, I was off for two weeks with uh, after my son was born, and so Kelly would go have a nap, and I would hold on to Zach while I was sleeping, and I would just put on X Men the animated series, and I was just watching all the episodes with Bishop, and then I was thinking every time Kelly comes down and she sees Bishop, she must wonder why is he on the show so often? <laughs> it's because all, all the episodes I was watching were his, because nice. he was on uh, Days of Future Past, and then he was on Time Fugitives, and then uh, One Man's Worth, and then Beyond Good and Evil. There's actually a lot of Bishop on that show. It was it was pretty awesome that With show. With that Western twang whenever he showed up. Yeah. You know, like it was just like the audio cue for him was great. Yeah. Um anyways, he's in the new movie next which is coming out next year. Anyways, I think that is that all the movies from this summer? That were kind of comic oriented. There was Kick Ass Two. I never got a chance to see it. You didn't. No. Nope. Ironically, our brother in law, Richard, who doesn't like comic books, he saw it. Get out of town. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why did you? And he's like, well, I like the first one. I'm like, yeah, because we took you. Um, it was just, it was interesting that he was the one who saw it. Okay. Out of the three of us. Do you like it? He liked it. He, he thought the first one was a little bit better. Okay. But, uh, and he, I was like, well, how was Jim Carrey? He's like, who's Jim Carrey in it again? I'm like, no, this guy. He's like, oh, 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 yeah, that was Jim Carrey. Like, it was interesting that he completely forgot who it was. Wow. I guess that's a good thing. Well, he's a lot different. Like, he's not your typical Jim Carrey. No, he's not. And you know, now he went back being against that role yeah, entirely based on the violence and stuff. Yeah. It's well, kind of crazy. Maybe don't be in a movie called Kick-Ass 2. Like, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into. Um, so next, so looking forward yes. as we start to roll into the end of the episode. Um, so in November we have Thor the Dark World. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the first Thor. Again, my only problem with the first Thor was some of the pacing where Badass Thor... Human, 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 human. Okay, guys, save the world at the end. Back to Thor. Um, so this should be pure Thor, right? It should be. Um, I'm be interested nice. to see how they're going to use him being on Earth because it looks like he's on Earth for more than just like to pick up Jane and go. Okay. Um, I'm excited. I'm wondering. I mean, obviously, promos are supposed to lead you into a certain direction and think they're going somewhere, and then they'll go somewhere completely different. But I am legitimately wondering if they will kill off Jane Foster. Because I'm okay with it. Because I don't think she's that integral. She was important to kind of give him a reason to be on Earth originally. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, kind of give him a reason to come back. But I kind of, I'm okay with it if they kill her. Because I, 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 he's really, I don't know, I guess Iron Man, uh, Captain America is the only one who doesn't really have a love interest in the present. But I, I, you know, I don't need them to have love interests. He has Sif, too, if he wanted yeah, true. Anytime she's he's allowed there. to have stuff. Yeah. There's, I mean, in the first one, they definitely showed her kind of being like a little you know, jealous, a yeah. little jealous, and yeah. I hope they play that out. But I think there is a, a scene in one of the previews where she's given the stink eye, the to, stink eye to Jane, yeah. Portman. There, yeah. I would. Um, there's obviously there's a, a growing kind of fan sentiment that they would like a Phase Three movie to focus just on Loki to give him his own movie. Really? Would you Would you like to see that? I don't think it's going to happen. Would you like that? No. I can see. I, no. He's got so much presence. 
Like he and he obviously loves the character. Well, he's played him in Comic Con. That's what I mean, right? Like he's one of those characters, actors who obviously knows he's been given a plum role, like an amazing role, and he's not embarrassed by it. Oh, it's a comic book movie. He's really taking it by the horns and enjoying it, like kind of like Robert Downey, you know, kind of embodying that character and having fun with it. And I guess I'll be sad because it looks like we probably won't get any Loki afterwards. Maybe Thor three, but. Not in the Avengers movies, which is okay because he did God, his part. We we've had him already. We, yeah, we he had his part, but yeah, he's just so enjoyable to watch. Like when you, he just he's he's magnetic, you know. And, and as much as I like Chris Hemsworth as Thor, he's not magnetic. He's a good, he's a great actor. He's good as Thor, but he doesn't keep you glued to the screen the same way, waiting for the next thing he's going to say. You're not as intrigued by him. Well, because he's going to cause mischief. Yeah, the, right? the more. Like as Thor, the the first movie went on, and then Avengers, the more they allowed him to kind of start being more mischievous and kind of having that 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 evil streak is when he you could tell he was having fun as an actor. Yeah. And then as an audience goer, I was like, yes, this is awesome. That is Loki. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm and I I like seeing more Anthony Hopkins as uh, as Odin, and it looks like we get a little bit more of uh, God, what's her name? The girl who plays Frigga. You know, um. She was in a lot of... She was in Tin Cup. Come on. Rene Russo. Rene Russo. Oh, sorry. Yes. Thank you for the playing. Mother. You gave me the most blank look possible. <laughs> Tin Cup? <laughs> Kevin Costner? No, no. I know you're 90s romantic I would have said a weapon, but... Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I guess that's a cooler answer than... A romantic uh, golf comedy from the 90s. Exactly. Um, she looks like she's kicking a little bit of ass in the trailers, so... Oh, good. She's actually doing something. That'd be so, fun. So, and I'm excited for Malekith, because Malekith is an awesome dark elf like a very cool character so I'm wondering if this will be kind of the very cool villain for Thor to fight be good oh for sure like Thor's got you know not a lot of good villains actually did you see did you see the trailer where um he's on I don't know where he is he's on one of the realms and they have this big rock creature who looks just like Korg comes out did you see that in the trailer no he looks just like Korg and he's like you know he's like you know who else is left to face me so this guy comes out and he just you know, rattles his, uh, whirls his uh, hammer, throws it up, and just smashes the guy into bricks. He's like, who's next? And I'm like, but that's Korg! <laughs> like, it may not be, but you can't look at him and not be like, that's Korg. Or at least one of his people. Very cool. Anyways, a, a nice little aside to those who, you know, like playing the Hulk. So, I thought that was awesome. Uh, then we have, so that's in November. It's very weird to have a Marvel movie in November. Yes. Um, it's coming out right around the same time as, like, the next Hunger Games movie, uh, the next Lord of the Rings movie. It's it's kind of a dense period. Um, I'm surprised they decided to put it up there. Because it's usually a summer movie. The last one came out in May. Yeah, that's true. May is usually the big month for comic movies. For sure. Um, so that's that's uh, that's November. And then April. This is weird. April we have Captain America. Winter Soldier. Again, odd timing. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm nervous about Winter Soldier only because of the fact that they did not build up a Bucky in the first movie enough for me to care that he's this Russian assassin in the second movie. I think, and I think I've said this before, but the problem, not the problem, but the reason why Winter Soldier worked really well in the comics, partially, is that the first thing Steve knew when he woke up was he was thinking about Bucky. Because the last thing he saw was Bucky theoretically dying. But that moment was taken away from him in the movie because the last thing he thought of was Peggy. Yeah. And because he'd already kind of, not gotten over, but he at least made his peace with the death of, of uh, Bucky already. So it's, 
because it was this big kind of unresolved conflict in his life in the comics that he never got to say goodbye to Bucky. And then the idea of Bucky being alive and being perverted for a deadly, you know, deadly purpose and, and killing people, that was really traumatic for Steve as a character, but was made it much more interesting to read as, as a reader. Plus, again, we have years of, of Steve kind of remembering Bucky, and, which you can't do in a, in a movie. You can't. No. You don't have that, you know, we don't have nine Captain America movies of him once in a while thinking about Bucky and dealing with that guilt of that he's still alive but Bucky's dead uh, and then finding out he's still alive. Like, it's, uh, we uh, as, as comic book fans, and this is the same thing that the Star Trek, you know, analysis, is that you we've been able to experience a lot long, more adventures so that when you finally have Bucky come back, it means something. Whereas you're right, in the, in the movies, next movie, he's back. Like, there's not that separation. Right. Um, that but, being said, I don't know. I don't. They didn't <coughs> make you feel like Bucky was that important in the first one. The scene I thought where he was pretty the, important. The scene where he died was just random. Well, he got to hold the shield though before he went. <sighs> Come on, how badass was that? When he got to hold the shield, because in the comics at the time he was Captain America, so it was cool to see him hold the shield. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, st- the thing is too uh, something that made. I mean, the the Red Skull was a big factor. Well, not really. Yes and no in the comic because he was kind of murdered. That's how they kind of started the Winter Soldier arc. Obviously, the Red Skull isn't around, so they can't use him. They also can't use the Cosmic Cube because the Tesseract is gone and it also doesn't act like the one in the comics because that's part of what made the end of the Winter Soldier arc work so well. Originally, that first like 11, 12-issue arc, or 14 issues actually, um, was because at the very end they were fighting over the cube and you had Captain America grab it and was like, remember who you are. And that great shot of Bucky finally getting all of his memories back and then dealing with that guilt. That's what was so cool. I don't know how they're going to do that in a movie. And are they going to be able to, like, is there going to be one, like, there's no MacGuffin like the Tesseract that can just instantly make him remember and make him stop, but also set him up for potential, his own potential spinoffs or to be in Avengers or do anything. Like, it'd be nice to have him be able to be in other content, but I don't know how they're going to do it. I know. But I'm I'm excited by that. You seem more cautiously kind of nervous about it. And I'm more curious, but also excited by where it could go. I don't think they could almost do a... He, Steve has to kill him. And as he's dying, he remembers. And that's what it is. That's very... Well, first of all, if that, if it was done by J- Joss Whedon, that would feel very Buffy. Because that's <laughs> Buffy season two, and she's about to kill Angel, and he gets his soul back. And he's like, Buffy? And she's knows she has to kill him, and then she runs him through as she tells him that she loves him. But that's very Joss Whedon-ish. Actually, speaking of Joss Whedon, did you see the reports that the director of Thor had some trouble spots in his help. script? Yeah. So they flew in Joss Whedon. Yeah. They they brought him in, and he that's awesome. That makes me more comfortable with Thor. Yeah. <coughs> Joss came to fix it. Yeah, because and, and I think that also says something about a director being able to to say, you know, we we have something, it's not working, we need to fix it. Let's bring in the architect. Like, let's bring in the man. That's awesome. You know, that's, that says something to how the Marvel movies are different than any other movies. That they are a cohesive whole. And that now that, as much as you have all these different solo pictures, everyone knows it's all leading up to Avengers 2. So you have, like, so he, so because Joss Whedon did Avengers 1, he's like the godfather. You have to come to him. And he helps <laughs> you. You ask him for this favor, and he'll give you a favor, and he'll work on your movie, and he'll make it better. I think that that bodes better for Thor. And also will make sure that it, again, feels more thematically fit in the Avengers universe. Which is great. Which is, because it's always going to be the hardest one to make work. Because it take, it's fantasy. It's more... Thor's a pretty deep 
universe. It's a deep universe, and yeah. it's the hardest to sometimes make work. And and they did a good job in Avengers of making Thor still be Thor without feeling depowered. Because oftentimes in Avengers books, Thor just hits things. Like whereas if you read a Thor book, he's using God blasts, he's channeling things, like he's doing shit that you'll never see him do in Avengers. Because yeah. in Avengers, he's got a hammer and he's strong and he's a beat stick, and they won't use him for anything else. Because some lightning and stuff. And some lightning, but it's harder because, you know, they're trying to get everyone... It's kind of like when you have Superman in a book. Yeah. You know, you put him in, a, in Justice League, you have to justify why he hasn't done everything. So you have to have weird kryptonite here or, you know, <laughs> all, all this stuff because otherwise, why wouldn't Superman just do that on his own? Very true. You know, why are you going to worry about, you know, Batman doing anything? Um, anyway. Uh, so Captain America, Winter Soldier. Now, Black Widow's in it. That's exciting. She's in, she's, really? in, she's in Winter Soldier. She's a big part. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that makes me, again, excited for it because you're not just having Captain America, you're also having Black Widow. Because as much as, like, Iron Man 3 didn't reference Avengers, I mean, it did because you had the aftermath of Tony having to deal with his own mortality, but that right. was really it. There was no real holdovers. You never really saw S.H.I.E.L.D. at all, and that was a major glaring that mission. Was a, yes, it was a big um, problem. Whereas in this, in Winter Soldier, you're, it feels like it's going to be more part of that universe and well I think Steve would need to use <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. to help find out what's oh yeah track down Bucky well, and stuff and, right? he, and they've modified his costume to look a little bit more like the Steve Rogers costume that he had for a while too um but I'm really excited about that movie you're scared I'm more optimistic because <laughs> I, I just want to see what it looks like I think it'll be good I guess I'm nervous about it I, I, I just wish they did a better job in the first movie making Bucky mean more for me to care okay, about that's it that's fair it's also interesting that this one is going to be totally, has to be so much more different than, than the first one. Like all the other movies, like at Thor 1 and Thor 2, you might have less of the comedic, you know, on human, like human on Earth stuff, but you're still going to have the fantasy. In Iron Man, you had the same kind of tone throughout, more or less. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that with Captain America because you went from being a you know, 1940s movie to a 2000, yep. you know, 2000 teens movie. So it's an interesting shift, and I'm excited to see what that looks like. They like, a very good job doing the introduction for Captain America. Now they're ready to do a good solo adventure. Yeah. Works. Yep. So then next May, we have Amazing Spider-Man 2. Are you excited about this? I'm happy with the costume change. I love the costume yeah. change. I like the first one. Don't, I don't get me wrong. All. I liked at it. all. But the new no. one looks Swappy. so good. Yeah. Because I was never, like, something about the Tobey Maguire costume never quite looked right. And But whenever you see Andrew Garfield wearing this costume... Maybe it's just his build. His build is Spider-Man's build. And whereas Tobey Maguire didn't quite... He looked awkward in it. He looked like he couldn't quite move. Like, he couldn't move his arms. Like, sometimes, like... <laughs> like there's some shots of him just sitting, standing in the costume. I'm like, can he move his arm up and down? Like, it looks like he's... It's like he's stuffed in there. Whereas Andrew Garfield, it looks like skin on him. Like, and he, doing all the poses, he just looks great. They did a great job with the first movie, <laughs> showcasing some spider poses, swinging and almost like in a freeze frame at slow mo, and you see him doing. Oh the, yeah! Like right off the covers of comics, it was fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. as much as like the the only real complaint I ever heard about the first one was, ugh, another origin. Well, now we're past that. Now we get to have a whole new adventure. I didn't tell it well either. Mm, it, you know what? They did their own thing, and I give them credit for not just recreating what we've seen before, doing it a little bit different. Whatever he had, uh, <laughs> he had mechanical web shooters. Take it. No, I'm cute with that. Yeah, no, I don't. Like, I mean, power change is fine. Yeah, it's just oh, whatever. I don't want to rehash the Uncle Ben Spider Man. Okay. No, I was cute with Uncle Ben. I guess it was weird to Peter as this the nerd, but not the cool nerd. But yet he was a punky skateboarder too, right? Like, which way are you going? 
Yeah. Right? It was kind of just... And the, the confidence shift he had, you know... It wasn't as dramatic costume. because he was already kind of being like, come on, Flash, like leave that guy alone. Like, he already was kind of standing up. He wasn't as uh, as big a shift. But it's still good. I loved it. Uh, so the new one I'm excited about because you have, what, you have Rhino, you have Adrian Toomes as someone. Like, he's probably not as Vulture, but he's at least there. You have, Obviously, you have Electro. Yeah. You, you have Ravencroft Institute. You have the idea that they might be doing a Sinister Six next time, which is so cool. Do we get our first glimpse at Norman as well? Uh, Norman's in there. Um, yeah. He's not as Green Goblin as far as we know. Yeah. He has a bigger role in the third film, we're told, right? Yeah. I don't know when they're going to kill Gwen because it, I need it to be... It doesn't need to be Norman, but it needs to be. It like, needs to be Norman. Like it does, Well, here's the thing. As much as it needs to be, you already had Spider-Man 1 have Green Goblin throw Mary Jane off a bridge. and like it, Audiences have seen it now. So I'm worried about that. Like You already saw that character throw someone off a bridge. And yes, they didn't die, but I don't know. And I think it makes doesn't make sense to kill Gwen in the third one because that's kind of a downer. Like it, You kind of need to kill her in the second one. That being said, they've already have release dates for Spider-Man 4, so I mean, <laughs> it's not like it's a problem. No, I um, guess not. And Mary Jane's not in the second one anymore. They oh. filmed, they filmed their scenes and decided it wasn't quite the way... It didn't quite fit. It was uh, it felt a little awkward to, to have her introduction in there, so they're moving her to the third one instead. Really? So cut her scenes. So that that makes me think really? she's dying, because why would you introduce the new love interest at the same time as you're killing the uh, old one? Wow. So who knows? But I just want to see a Sinister Six in the third movie. More than anything. I don't care who's in that Sinister Six. You give me six villains in a Spider-Man movie, and it won't be too many, because that's something that we see. That actually happens, absolutely. That happens. It's not not a Batman scenario where you always have too many villains in those movies. Instead, it's something that you've seen in the comics, and it would just be cool. Like, no movie's done that. No movie's done six villains. And if you brought back Lizard, which I think would be really smart, like, bring back another villain. Bring back Electro and, and Rhino, and... And make Adrian Toomes in the Vulture. I mean, sort of shocker for good measure, or something like that. Yeah, I don't care who they are. Yeah. And and what I like about like I hope we're going to see the here is that maybe you don't have to explain how they get all their powers and make it all personal and make it somehow matter to Peter Parker. Like just give him powers quickly. Like make it like an animated series where oh look it's another villain. Here's a villain. Yeah, yeah. a villain pops up. Like I think sometimes these comic book movies get so tied up in building up the. The, uh, the villains, and especially the first Spider-Man trilogy, every villain somehow did, had to be personal. Right. You know, and... And for them to just almost die at the end anyways. So what's yeah. the point? Yeah. You know, whereas I like the idea that, no, they're just being arrested and put in jail or something, and then you can maybe see them again. You can blame Batman from 1989 for killing off villains. Like, that was... That's the one that started it. They killed off the Joker, and then in the next movie, they killed off... What? Penguin. Penguin and Catwoman. Maybe. Oh, she, maybe she's alive at the end. Oh, man. And they killed off... <laughs> They killed off Christopher Watkins' character, too, but, like, you know, they killed off the characters. What are you laughing about? Just your expression is like, oh, man. <laughs> I guess. And then, radio, and then Batman good. Forever, they killed off like, Two-Face, and the, Rid- and the Riddler got all messed up. and so Went mental. And... He was in an institution, so I guess technically he didn't die. Anyway. Um, I see your point. Uh, then I, I don't... Then, uh, let's see what... I'm just looking at... So that my son is making some noise. <laughs> I think it's okay. Yeah, he's been really good. I mean, we've we been talking for over an hour, and he's barely fussed. Are we at Guardians at that point? Uh, no, Guardians isn't for a while. Oh. Um, there's a Godzilla movie. I didn't even Godzilla. know. That was, I didn't even know that was happening. Um, also in May, X Men: Days of Future Past, which we've already touched uh, yeah, on. Yeah, I'm stoked for that. But the only thing that makes me scared about that is, first of all, Brian Singer. 
I really like Matthew Vaughn on X-Men First Class, and I think that he's the reason why that worked, considering that movie should have been a bad movie, based on everything that went into it, how fast they were pumping it out, how the script was kind of being worked on almost up to the minute they were shooting it. That movie should have been a disaster, yet somehow it was great. I Now we're going back to Brian Singer, who I think tries too hard to tell a meaningful story as opposed to just telling a good comic book story. Um, plus, he's brought back all the old characters, which is fine, but I want it to be more about the 70s. I want it to be more about the young characters. And I, I'm, I'm nervous because... Most of the cast is the original cast from the first trilogy, which is cool that we're kind of seeing more of that story, but at the same time, I want to see the young Magneto. I want to see that you know configuration going going forward, and instead it feels like we're going backwards. Interesting. Well, because think about it. Like, who is the most of the cast that we've heard about is is all the old people. Right? The Brown and Comic Con, you basically had the new the old, the young Xavier, young Magneto. Everybody else was who we had right? before. That's yeah. my problem. True. And I guess Wolverine can exist in two different timelines. It's fine. Yes. I mean, he's God knows how old. Um, but then, like, I think Havoc is confirmed to be in it. But Banshee's not. Um, Emma Frost isn't in it. Not that she was the greatest actress, but it would have been nice Terrible. to at least have the character still around. So it's just that's what makes me more concerned about it. Hmm. That's what I thought of that. It was such a weird hodgepodge of characters anyways. Oh, yeah. And we have no idea at what point you know, after after the first movie, where Xavier's school is true, and we are point. what I mean. Even if it's even if it was nineteen seventy, this is it's still like eight years ahead because uh, this one was set in what sixty one or sixty two. So yeah, you are jumping ahead anyway. So I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility yeah. that a lot has happened in a decade. Yeah, um, so there should still be a, a fun level of. I just want to see Sentinels. Aren't you excited about seeing an actual Sentinel? Like it's about time. Stuff? Yeah, it's about time. But they haven't established if it's going to be human-sized sentinels or the monstrous, yeah. you know, three-foot. They don't need to be. Sentinels. They don't need to be that big. But I want them to at least be like, you know, you gotta have nineties sentinels, man. I know. If you want your blasting shots of vaporize Wolverine, you need a nineties. I know he needs to be pretty big. I yeah. know. But I don't know how big he actually needs to be. But three stories high. Three stories high. Yeah, that's actually not that high. And now that I think about it, because. I mean that that was like the the, the height of like the the, the boot part because remember they they almost made it look like in the nineties years like there was like a boot on the yes. sentinels which is a weird decision it should all be one color <laughs> instead of having different colors to delineate these are their like their glove areas like they actually have different color markings anyway yeah. anyway I know buddy I know Zach you wanted to chime in you don't you don't like X Men either um so that's i'm hoping it'll be really good because you know i love x-men 2 i still really enjoy x-men 2 it's still very enjoyable so three was a disaster so this is singer's makeup movie um let's see june has uh 22 jump street that's right a sequel to 21 jump street what it was a good movie it was actually enjoyable shut the front door <laughs> how to train your dragon 2 did you watch the first that's one? that's very good actually that I never saw it. Good. yeah it was good great little anime movie absolutely okay you had a, a tie uh, uh sorry tie spin off TV really? series, yeah. I did not know that. It's on right now. It's very good. Huh. Yeah. Uh, June 27th next year, Transformers Age of Extinction. Well, we get Dinobots, apparently. That's exciting. Which will be fun. Uh, we is get... it, though? Is it exciting? Because are they going to look... That's uh... the only thing about the uh, Transformers is that sometimes they don't quite look right. Like, what are the Dinobots actually going to look like? Because they're not... They can't be... Like, vehicles are one thing. It's very... It's, this is a vehicle. Now it's yeah. a... Di- you know, now it's a bot. 
Um, how do you do a dinosaur? Is it actually going to look like a dinosaur? I hope so. Or just look like a metal version of a dinosaur? I like, how so. does that work? I don't I haven't paying too much attention. Like, I know we're, we're getting away from Shia LaBeouf, and we have, like, Mark Wahlberg now, and... Yeah, he's a better action star. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, like, he, I just want to transform him. I don't care about the human factor as much. Like, I but they're going to pump the humans in there. I know. There's going to be some military porn for those people yeah, who love it. I know. So, I... I, I don't know. Like... All three of them, the whole trilogy of the movies, I've been up and down. There are moments of my enjoy overall. Some of them are stinkers, you yeah. know. Um, a little prolonged. I think that all of them go on a little long. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, a lot of people were ready for a change from Michael Bay, but it didn't happen. Um, so will, this, will he do one more? But it just keeps making money, right? Yeah. Hand over fist. And That being said, I don't know. I, I, as much as we make a lot of people make fun of Michael Bay... I think he's really, in some ways, the only director really fit to do a Transformers movie in a lot of ways. Because I, I, I feel like a lot of other directors would take it in a direction that wouldn't even fit at all. Like, you don't you, do, you, want, you don't want a cerebral Transformers movie. You still want it to be somewhat actioned. No, it has to be heavy in action and, and destruction and, who, and chaos. And who, does that, giant robots. who does that better than Michael Bay? That's true. Maybe Gamma del Toro. He could do it. I haven't seen Pacific Rim, but I mean... I mean it's, That's it's, supposed to be awesome. It's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, I think maybe he, he would be the next person after Michael Bay. Maybe. But I don't think he would touch it with a 10-foot pole. Why know. not? I don't know. I, he'd rather do a Hellboy 3. <laughs> I think deep down he wants to do a Hellboy 3. That's what I think. So, um, We'll see what it what it has to bring. So they're, they're, redo, they're rebooting, but not really rebooting. So it should be some new, some decently fresh ideas. Um, all the stories are not a big mess. That's the, being the biggest fault. Is I can put up a lot of stuff, but with the stories just mm. this convoluted... It'd be interesting to see, how stupid. as you said, like how much of a reboot and how much of a continuation it is. Kind of like First Class kind of kind of felt into that, you know, a lot of it wanted to be its own thing, but at the same time it was hewing towards yeah. what the gold one was. Like, I couldn't quite decide what it wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, next July, Fast and Furious 7. I've only seen one of those. Man, 7. 7. I've seen one, maybe okay. two. Uh, at best. I hate Vin Diesel, so I avoid anything with him in it. But oh, I know he's yeah. Groot, so that's going to suck. Uh, but he's I, just a voice. He's, so. a, he's only a voice, and he's saying three words. Like, I, I am, am Groot. Groot. So how bad could it possibly be? I guess so. Like, real, and to be honest, he has a good voice for it. Sure. I think he does. I think anyone need... with a synthesizer who changed the voice, they sound like Groot. True. I could be Groot. I guess so. Um, I am Groot. Also there next July, on July 18th, we got Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I loved Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I'm hopeful for this one. I don't know what it's going to be like. I I haven't really read anything about it, but I'm excited about it anyway. Um, Then, uh, there's a Hercules movie? Well, they're really... Trouble, trouble. I hope it's not that one. (laughs) Actually, you know, I would pay good money to see that on the big screen. Um, Oh, wow. Fifty Shades of Grey. Same day as Guardians of the Galaxy. Talk about two different types of movies. To open on the same day. No kidding. All I... the guys will go to one movie. All the girls will go, go to the, the other. other. No kidding. There were there was no date night. Like you know, no. everyone's like, you know what? Let's just let's just call. We're going to the day. theater. You're going Peace there. Yeah. yeah, honey, you go over there. I'll go over here. We'll see you later. Yeah. Um, I, Fifty I Shades want... of Grey will make shitloads of money though. It probably will. I know. Fifty Shades of Green. That's what. <laughs> that's what, that's that's what the the headline's going to be after they make all their money. There it is. Um, Alex Chapman called it right you here. You heard it right here. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I'm stoked for Guardians. I want it to be Marvel Star Wars. I want it to be fun and blasty and sci-fi. So many characters and... in it. One thing I'm nervous about is uh, like they, they've so said. Uhura is uh, Gamora, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Zaldana. 
One thing I'm nervous about is the Nova Corps is in it, but it doesn't look like it's really the Nova Corps. Like, it's on Xanadar, and we see... Do you know anything about this movie? Sorry. No. Go ahead. Uh, oh, so I'm spoiling things for you. Well, can you They've can confirmed you that there are the Nova Corps, and, but it doesn't look like they're going to, like, blast him like Nova Corps. Like, you got, like, Nova Corpsmen, but they're not actually, like, Richard Ryder Corpsmen, if that makes sense. Okay. And that disappoints me. Because why would you even bother? Because one of the most awesome things about the, the Nova Corps is that they're There's flying around with the little like bursts on the, the little yeah. round bursts on their chest. Say, well, one of them saying blue blazes, and the rest are like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> um, but I'm excited that there's a lot of characters in the movie that makes me a little nervous, but at the same time excited. So, is this where Thanos is going to lie? Because Age of Ultron's next Avengers. I a lot of people think that we'll see a little bit of Thanos, but not much. That he'll be like kind of in the background. Hmm. He's not the main villain. Okay. And Do we know what the main and, villain is? Uh, not quite. And they've said that the, some there's a lot of characters in it. Some will start off as, as villains and then maybe become something else afterwards. Okay. Like there's a lot of characters. I, as we, as we speak, I will kind of pull up uh, some information just to kind of see who's in it and, and who they're playing because there are a lot of people in the movie. Obviously, there's the main cast. Okay. Um, I, I hope that I would love to see next year that there's Rocket Raccoon merchandise everywhere. <laughs> but really, it's the voice that's going to make that work or, or fail. That's very true. You know, that's because I, I wasn't quite sold on his weird accent on the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Oh yeah, like well, was, that and even Marvel's Capcom uh, Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind the of British odd. accent, right? Yeah, yeah and he was talking not only an accent, but they also made it feel like he was talking in a British way. And there is a difference. There's there's just using an accent, but still talking like you know more like traditional American language, and then mm-hmm. being written in a certain British way. Yeah. I hope it's super fun because I know like Green Lantern was supposed to be DC's Star Wars, and it failed miserably. I really want this to be a, a great time. So we got Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, Star Lord. Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Batista Drax. the Destroyer. He's Lee. got the body for. It. I don't know if his acting skills will help, but mm-hmm. he's got. Lee Pace is running the Accuser, which I find hard. To visualize because he's Ronan the Accuser because he's a bit skinnier in build, but maybe they'll bulk him up. Maybe they'll armor him up and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So but, big ass hammer. But that's a big character. Uh, you got Yondu, who's from the original Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the guy with the giant mohawk. Okay. He's blue yeah, yeah. skin with the. He's an archer with the red mohawk. Nebula, really. Uh, you got Nebula in it. She's one of the villains. She uh, in the comics thought she was Thanos's, I think, daughter. Yes. At one point, so that is a connection right there. Uh, so there's a Nova Prime. Yeah, there is a Nova. Glenn Prime. Close. Yeah, a female Nova Prime. She's just the director of the Nova Corps. Again, they're not quite playing it the same way. Uh, you do have Rocket Raccoon, you got Groot, Korath, I don't even know who that is. It sounds new. Or maybe, you got the Collector. So he's the el- one of the elders of the universe. I don't know how he's going to work in there either. So there's a lot of disparate characters and concepts. Oh. Who knows which way they're going to go. Oh, okay, Korath is Korath Pursuer. I do know who he is. He works with Ronan. So it's the Accuser and the Pursuer. Yes. Well, I think he was in um, the Ronan the Accuser uh, Annihilation um, tie-in. I can't remember. Yeah, it's been too long. It's yeah. been like seven or eight years. That's something I read again. That whole cosmic, yeah, everything. That whole run. So that's a lot of lots a lot of characters. But it, you know, it's a whole new IP. I mean, hell, five years ago, people were like, Iron Man is that going to work? And now you're like, well, of course, Iron Man works. Oh, like, Iron Man was amazing. It's am- it's amazing that it ever worked because I mean for years that you that was like a C almost a C list when it came to product uh, properties that would be translated in movies no one ever thought the Iron Man would work true or but now they're they're they pushed them and like you know 
now in both um, Earth's Mightiest and the current Assemble, they make him the figurehead over Steve, right? I know. Because of the success of the movies. Yeah. Which... But in the movie, I mean, he definitely had Cap, you know, you call it Cap, like, you know, he started to feel more of a leader. Absolutely. So, I mean, we'll see. So that's next August. Uh, it's a long way away. Cannot wait for August. It'll, it'll come before you know it. That's the way this goes, right? True. I, mean, I remember after you saw, you know, Nick Fury stand in that room and talk to Tony and say, Avengers Initiative, like, Goddamn, hook it up. You know what? Okay, I I still like David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury because I I was so excited when that TV movie came on and it was awesome because he had the stogie. He was classic Nick Fury. Like yeah. as much as I love Samuel L. Jackson, he's a very specific version of Nick Fury. He is. I and I still like that old version. Ha- the Hoff could be six foot six Fury. Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, now the week after uh, Guardians of the Galaxy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is the Bay one, right? With Megan Fox as April O'Neil. Yes, but he only executive produced uh, it, right? Like he didn't direct it. No, uh, whatever. It makes a bit of a difference. Uh, if you want to join Ninja Turtles, watch the current TV show on Nicktoons. Yeah. And be happy. Don't waste your time with this. I'll watch it, but more because I grew up on it. Yeah, we're 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 smelling cat shit right now. <laughs> My, uh, that is robust. You might be hearing some scratching in the background. It's because uh, <laughs> we are currently in my basement, and that is uh, that is where the cats have decided to uh, have their craps. Yeah, love the turtles, and maybe it'd be nice to have uh, you know Ninja Turtles one nice dark and and serious and kick-ass movie. But I don't know. Yeah. Now, know. Uh, Expendables three comes out the next week. I have not seen either of those. I've seen the first one. It's a bit disappointing. I was hoping for more. Yeah. Uh, I'll watch that on at some point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, whatever. It's it's fun popcorn, typical yeah. action guy movie, right? So whatever. And the week after that, Sin City, a dame to kill for. It's been, what, eight years? Nine wow. years by the time this... I think it was 2005. So Long I think by the time ago. this comes out, it'll have been nine years since there was a Sin City. I'm excited. Yeah? It could be good. I won't say excited. I'm sure I'll watch it, but... Whatever. Well, okay, maybe not as excited, because now, like, when it came out, it was a comic book ad- adaptation. Like, it looked like a comic book. It was the pages, literally, right? It was the pages right? Yeah. right off the screen. Like, it was they before, didn't fuck with that. Before 300 came out and did basically the same thing. Yep. Um, so, it, so it was exciting. Now, now, I mean, 2005, if you look at it, like, we hadn't had the travesty that was Last Stand at that point. We had just had, like, the year before, we had The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, that's where we were with comic book movies. We didn't yet have the horrible Superman Returns. Like, uh, Batman Begins came out that year. Like, just, uh, like, a few months after Sin City. Like, it was a totally different time. Like, I know it's only, like, nine years, but that's a whole different generation of comic book movies. That's true. And so many movies come out. So, it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like, because... I mean, stylistically, it should look the same they as the sh- first sh- one. They shouldn't break it. They were right the no. first time. They keep it going. Uh, right? I, and that seen. fits that kind of niche and that genre of comic, too, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's basically more, everything that's coming out next year. Um, and then the following year, we have Avengers 2, which should be awesome. How do we feel about the Age of Ultron bit? And the fact that it has nothing to do with Pym? Um, I'm okay with it because... Really? That surprises me. Yeah, well, yeah. okay, the reason why is Pym is a, a tough sell as a character because, like, you already have, you have Tony, like, in a, in a world where you already have Tony Stark, who's already a genius. And Bruce Banner. And Bruce Banner. You're going to have another genius. And it, this is a problem that people don't ever think about in the comics. But, I mean, think about how many things P- Pym is known for. He's a biologist. 
he created pin particles so he can affect the human body and he can you know enlarge it and decrease the size of it he is also a robotics expert like they just kind of throw things that he's done when really like the tech stuff should be tony you know and like tony does the more practical tech stuff reed does the ridiculous other dimensional tech stuff you know they have very clear kind of um types of science they do but then you just have have Hank, and he's just kind of doing things that the other guys do. So, which is fine in comics, because that's just the way it's always been. Why would you take it away? But if you're building a, a movie universe, it just seems like you already have you have like make him a biologist if you want, make him do the pin particles. He's affecting that, but you don't need anyone like you already have as as you said. You know, you have Banner who's done the gamma bomb technology you have but wouldn't it have made sense like, I don't know when Ant-Man's movie lies I guess it's it's coming out a few months after Avengers 2 okay so and it, it will not involve Ultron right but in my sense you do that first and the end of his movie leads into Ultron which then goes into Avengers I think would that be the natural way to do it like yes and no they, I, I know think... they've been bending the comic stuff of yeah. course they do in Hollywood but this seems like a, a, a huge departure Think about where you leave uh, Iron Man 3. You have all these Iron Man armors that have just been discarded mm-hmm. um, and blown up and whatever. You have, and plus in the Iron Man movies, you have an, you have an operational artificial intelligence. You have the Jarvis, Jarvis AI. Yeah. How easy is it to just corrupt that and make that become the villain? Like, that, like it, you don't have to go that far. Whereas to introduce a new character and have him create this mega, you know, intelligence, while at the same time also creating the pin particles to create his own abilities and also having his own adventure. Like, there's just... It, that's a lot of heavy lifting for one character, whereas it's so easy to piggyback on top of a character who already has a background in advanced, you know, technology and artificial intelligence. And I guess in the comics, there, there was no such thing as a Jarvis AI. Partially because it was the 60s and he had transistors and all this stuff. Like, he had a butler named Jarvis. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. No, no, I'm cool with the, the so it's, Robo Jarvis. It's, 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 it's a very easy line to draw to developing something out of where we were already seeing the Iron Man movies to develop a, a rogue AI. You could probably say it's already happened, even. Like, it's not that impossible. Whereas, you have no way of showing that Ant Man's already done this. So, you have to build it into whatever you do with that character. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. That's why I'm okay with it. Because because <laughs> um, as much as, like, obviously I'm a purist. Obviously I'd love it to be Ant-Man. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, how does that really fit? And plus, it makes more sense. It's supposed to be the idea that one of the members of the team has been caused, you know, something that he has done inadvertently causes one of the greatest villains to arise. That's the idea of, of Ultron. Take away who created him. And Avenger created Ultron. Ultron tried to take over the world. Avengers tried, tried to stop him, but it was their, if, if it wasn't for one of them, they never would have had to deal with it in the first place. You're just subbing in characters. Now it's Tony has inadvertently created something. Now he has to bring together the Avengers to stop it. And it's a little bit of a betrayal as well because it, something he has done is turned against them. That's heavy stuff. Sure. It doesn't need to be Hank. It just needs to be an Avenger. And Hank isn't an Avenger. Yet. I guess so. Then where does Quicksilver and, and Scarlet Witch fit in all this? And again, again, we're putting the big spotlight on Tony again, right? Yeah. I well, at the end of the day, you're gonna have the spotlight on Tony. He's the bankable star. As right. much as the other movies did well, no one's made more money than Iron Man, so he's gonna be the figurehead. I mean, and everyone loves Robert Downey Jr. I mean, like as much as people like 
Hemsworth and Evans, they're no Robert Downey Jr. He has the charisma. He's, he makes you watch. He, makes he nails you take, it, for sure. Like, he's the reason why people are like, oh my god, i got to see this movie. It doesn't matter how old you are, what gender you are, people are in love with Robert Downey Jr. He, I mean, men, men want to be him and women <laughs> want to be with him. You know, like, that's the way it is. You know, like, but that's really true. And that's also true of the Tony Stark character. He's the same thing. He is Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. But they are the same person. Just one of them is genius. The other one, not an, an acting genius. But I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, it makes sense as long as you can hit certain beats. And at the end of the day, it's Whedon. Trust in Whedon. Absolutely. That's, that's I want to get a, the biggest a, a t-shirt saving. printed up. I trust in Whedon. All shall be good. That's the biggest thing, guys. Not, like, not everything is written as gold for sure. But if anyone's going to be able to twist it so it works, it will be him. So. It is a good question, though. How do Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver get added in? How do they work? But really, they're just agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Superpower agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hell, the TV show shows that they may have someone with the powers on the show. I don't know, but from the previews, it makes it look that way. So it's really not that big of a stretch to show, well, now that the Avengers Initiative was failed and shut down, they might start enlisting superpowered humans. But why them? Why those ones in particular? Yeah. Well... Why, ha- what, like, why have a mutant controversy? Why not bring in Wonder Man or what mutant controversy? Well, ha- having like, these future past two crossovers. Oh. Well, they didn't know. Having that... Maybe they didn't know though. Maybe <sighs> they didn't know that that's the way they're going. They're two different, totally different productions. Why would they talk to each other? They wouldn't. They wouldn't think that they would use the same characters. And we don't know which one actually came first. You know, we don't know who who decided to use what first. Yeah, but I'm what... inclined to the idea that Avengers said we were going to do this. Some stuff leaked. And then Fox was like, wait a minute, don't we get those characters? Let's use them. And they're only using one of them. Yeah, I, well, I guess that's what we know, right? Here's yeah. my script, what we're going to do. Go. And they obviously had a reason for using those characters. I mean, they, they are long-standing characters, more so than any other Avengers. I mean, they've been there, what, since issue, what, 16? The rest of the team's already there. So, I don't know. I, I would love to see a mission where it was just Hawkeye, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Captain America. The Kooky Quartet. And I want someone Kooky to say quartet. it. Because that's what it's called, Cap's Kooky Quartet. And I want them to say it, just once. as a joke. Iron Man can say it. He's like, oh, Cap's Kooky Quartet. I would die happy. I'd be, I'd, <laughs> I they, would die happy. The, the lights would go up after the, you know, after the post-credit sequence. They'd be like, oh my god, this guy's dead. And he's got a giant smile on his face. And that's me, because I called him the Kooky Quartet. My son's in my arms as well. He's, he's awake, he's crying. But I'm asleep, because I'm, I'm not sleeping, I'm dead because I was because I could kill me now. I know they didn't say Avengers Assemble in the first one, so I don't know if they got Kree Quartet and something. They'll like. throw it in. It's better. I'm a, uh, it, it's one of those lines where if they had thrown it into the first one, it may not have worked. Actually, I think the only person who could say it and not make it seem grown worthy is Iron Man in the movies, because he seems like the kind of guy who'd say it. In the comics, it has to be Cap. It's because it's the rallying cry. Well, but they, it's they so... set it up. But they're right there. Cap call it like it was like the moment was there. To they already assembled though. They're already there. Uh, they had already they'd already done the panorama shot. It's, it's more of a battle cry than a, a literal. Actually, well, you, you would see in the comics more often than not is the is the call to assemble, not just a, like as we run forward and attack. Fine, whatever. But anyway, I'm I'm excited. No, of course. I think I like, after nailing the first one, I have nothing but high hopes for uh, 2015. Like, like, how do you, you know, how do you top it? How do you top it, right? Like it's, well, the big question is, well, I, I'm hoping the expectation bar is so high. Like, if it's bad, right, then what happens? I don't know. 
Well, hopefully right. the this, this solo movies are still strong enough that they can still do those. Yeah. Like, it won't flop. Like, at the box office, won't kill it. Right? Because no. everyone's going to go see it regardless, right? It's like Transformers. People hated it, beat it on it, called it garbage. It won, like, the worst movie of the year award stuff, right? The Razzies. And, um, you know, still made Hammer Fist, and we're on the fourth one now. So, whatever. True. Um, now, I mean, only in passing, but... So, 2015 also has Batman and Superman, or... Man of Steel Superman Batman I don't like it I No? Don't, I don't like that you Cause DC's a mess Hold right? on DC Honestly You gotta give them props though That's a smart plan How, how do you get people Talking about you At Comic Con When everyone's talking about Guardians of the Galaxy And all the stuff That Marvel's doing You throw Batman and Superman In one little picture Like their logos together You make people Go ape shit You make people flip like that's how you change the conversation. That's what that's what DC needs to do. That's okay. they need to change what people the perception and make them talk about your product, not about why you guys haven't made Justice League yet. Make them excited about something. You put those two characters together, instant excitement. But I'm okay with it if it was you have a Superman which you've established, hmm. and you have a Batman you've established. Not rebooting Batman. I know. I think that's in... much smarter this way because no. instead of no, I don't want another Batman movie because this is what they do. Even though they don't have to, we would get another origin of some kind. No, no, we don't we, need that. But we would though. We don't need it. But that's what we would get because that's the that's what studios do. They can't just give you a new product. They'd be like, no, no. We we're, well, we're giving you a new Batman. We have to explain the new Batman, don't we? We have to explain this because the other movie didn't exist because this is our new thing. This is what happened with Spider-Man. Like, they had to give us... They felt... Obviously, there was more time had passed, but they still felt like they had to give yeah. us all this new stuff. So, it made sense to instead, let's jump in. Like, you know, feet first. Let's give us a Batman who's already established in this universe, but the, it's our first time seeing him. It allows them to tell a different type of Batman story. We get to see a slightly older, more wary Batman who's already angry and pissed and has already gone through fighting lunatics. Like... We don't need year one Batman constantly. Like, as much as I like the different Batman movies we've had, he always kind of is... He's always he's always year one Batman. Kind of like Spider-Man. We're always feel, seeing him fighting for the first time. We never get to see year eight Spider-Man, where he's been fighting for eight years. He's fought everyone already. He's not just, oh my god, I'm so awkward, oh my god. Right. Instead, he's like, no, I'm Spider-Man. I'm well, kind gonna, of in a badass. Well, like, we're going to get that with this... That's exciting. Yeah, and that's the Batman who can stand next to Superman and say, I can take you out. That your one your one Batman can't do that. Your one Batman is getting his ass kicked by the thumbs. Your one Batman's busy crying in his house over his dead girlfriend. Well, hold on. Well hold on a second. Make that's, sure, uh, make sure you die. That's that's that, that's I'm dark. so sad. Hold on, that's Dark Day Rises Batman. I'm talking year one general. Like yeah, Batman yeah. begins Batman, he was he was getting his ass kicked by Scarecrow. Like, I mean, that, but that's what happens to your one Batman. Yes. He's not ready yet. He's not ready to go up against a guy who just destroyed a city. Like, especially the way they built up the Man of Steel. Like, he's so powerful, and he will destroy things. And he doesn't care about pro- pro- collateral property, damage, property damage or collateral damage at all. And maybe he will in the next movie, but, like, you need someone who can stand up to that. And that's that's Batman. And that's an older Batman. Hey, Clark. Stop breaking shit. And I'm okay with it being Ben Affleck. I'm one of the few people who's fine with it. I am such a, on a roller coaster ride with the whole Ben Affleck thing. I feel bad for Ben Affleck. I know. Because he's, he's I mean, getting shit on more than anything. It's else. funny, like, we had, he was on well, Jimmy Fallon Fallon's. and he was talking no. about. Yeah. 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 It's like just back away <laughs> from the internet. Like, you might want to stay off for a few days. 
But it's true, and like I mean, like, and that's the type of thing. Like I mean, Nate says that he always knew that Heath Ledger was going to be good as Joker. Bullshit. I mean, like that's fine. He can say that. Not that good. But I never thought he'd yeah. be good. I mean, I was like, when I first started, I was like, Heath Ledger, choice. the guy from Knight's Tale, Knight's like, Tale, Brooklyn and, Mountain, yeah. You know, in like Ten Things I Hate About You, that yeah. guy can't be Joker. I mean, not that I wanted the Jack Nicholson Joker, but he was iconic. He was a specific, he was my like I grew up with him as Joker and the Cesar Romero one. I mean, with the mustache and everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and the, so I was like, that's not going to work. And he was so creepy good. And, it, and you couldn't take your eyes off him when he was on screen. You just wanted more Joker. And when the movie's over, you want to watch it again just to see more of him. Because he's so electrifying. Yeah. So, I mean, you can be surprised. That being said, obviously, the Joker's a character that can grab you more than Batman can. Because Batman, it, it's not going to make you tingle in the same way. Which is a weird way to put it, but I mean... <laughs> but, like, there's a spine-tingling feeling of Joker because you're supposed to be unsettled. You're supposed to feel kind of creeped out. Whereas Batman, it's just... You know, it's, it's Batman. Yeah, but Batman only has a presence. He's supposed to strike fear into the, you know... Bale never quite criminal. had that presence. No, he's not a criminal. <laughs> Regardless of... <laughs> Why do you sound like like the, the, the Cookie Monster? That's <laughs> what Bale sounded like. It was terrible. Yeah, well, um, I guess so. He had marbles in his mouth, not cookies. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I hope they, they do this right, I guess. They're excited about it. You know, I had no issue with Affleck's Daredevil. I know you you liked Daredevil. As I well. liked it just fine. So I love that I movie. had no issue with it. Um, it obviously shows. And they've come age. a long way. Like look at like Matt Damon, right? Like he's no longer a joke anymore. He's done Elysium and the, the Boring Trilogy and stuff like that. So well, he's a he's a very good he's actor. Very accomplished now, right? So there's no reason like Ben Affleck's been successful. He did the great stuff with Argo recently. Mm-hmm. He's a comic book guy, right? Like he's a uber nerd. He respects the genre, the medium. So he's not gonna poo poo on it, right? No. Um. I, again, like he he actually gets to dip his fingers with the script and behind the scenes stuff as well. Those yeah. conditions to take the role. Apparently, was one thing I read. Yeah. Um. Which well, is there's nice. all sorts of rumors that so, like, they want. I know they're dying for someone to be their Whedon, right? Like you know whether it's Kevin Smith or. It's too bad Jeff Johns just can't be a director, right? Like it might work. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, his fingers dipped in Green Lantern. That was a nightmare. So I don't know. yeah, but there's also a lot of fingers dipped in Green Lantern. Yeah, I guess. You so. know, like that. You know, that was just too that many was, fingers that, in that pot. I guess, but that was his baby, and he ruined it. So I don't know. Well, yeah, but how much? How much was he really involved? I mean, and plus, I mean, are they going to use you know that version of Hal Jordan in Justice League? I mean, there's rumors. No, that they, they want, can't. There's rumors can't. that they still want to use Mark Strong as Sinestro. You know, but, but he fine because he was the best part. He was of the whole so time. good. He was so good. He nailed that to the tits. It's great. Nailed that to the tits. <laughs> the tits. Yeah, he, he was, was, part, was. My favorite part of that whole movie was Sinestro was spot on. He looked on. great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in both costumes, regardless of how nonsensical him being in the Sinestro Corps was. Let's get me started on that. Yeah, well, there's just no reason for it, right? He looked great, though. Yes, yes. Like, I looked, agree. Like, as much as it was a nonsensical, ridiculous thing to see, it was awesome to see it. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, they, they can't go forward with Reynolds in that version of Green Lantern. They now, later on in 2015, in that summer, he got Ant-Man. So, I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm floored he gets his own movie. That I'm crapping my pants. I am, too. It any sense to me. You know, who that knows? Was... And who's going to be Ant-Man? Is it, is it going to be Pam, even? 
It doesn't even need to be Hank Pym. Hank Pym could just have been the guy who created the, the Pym, Pym particles, particles and then someone else uses them. It could be Pym, it could be Lang, I guess. It could you, be Grady. You have to have Make it Grady. Grady, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., seriously. An Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who gets a hold of these Pym particles. The, honestly, the story is not hard to write. I guess Janet has to be in this some way, shape, or form. Who? Janet, right? Does it need to be? I think so. Uh, only if only if Hank... Well, no, you know what? Actually, no. Because there's... He make he he starts he decides to be an adventurer and then he develops particles for his girlfriend too so she can be involved in adventures but she's not in any way a scientist she's a socialite who designs fashion that's her origin her her boyfriend gave her some pin particles <laughs> and then she decided to become a crime fighter that is the origin that's kind of dumb like as much it's 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 comic books and we're kind of used to dumb things but you, it's that's harder to do in com in uh, in movies I guess in, I, who's he gonna fight who's his villain is he gonna fight someone in the microverse make it a shield story I'm telling you as a shield story it could be a comic as a slightly comedic like you know who shrunk you know honey shrunk the kids <laughs> seriously he's he's talking to ants. Like, that could be cool. We'll see I, how we got greenlit for a but movie. you know how you end that movie? You end that movie with him becoming giant. And being like, is there a way to go up? And then be, like, being huge. Like, I could do something with this. Avengers 3, there he is. As Giant Man. Because as much as Ant-Man's kind of cool, no, it's really cool to see a giant. Because they don't have a giant. Where do you have a giant in any movie? That doesn't happen. Maybe in Jack the Giant Killer. Like, that's about it. But then they're dicks who are dying. Like, I want to see a giant that I'm rooting for. We'll see. Like Giant Man. Like, how cool would that be? No, not at all. I'm not a big pimp person, so we'll see. I'm, I'm floating this. To be right fair, now. no one's a pimp person. <laughs> That's why there's no book like, called Ant Man. Exactly. So, how does a character who doesn't have his own. Because he's a core vendor. He's a founder. Get it? Fine. But is not given any any uh, recognition on the print front. Why is he in the movie? own movie Ant-Man movie ever in your wildest dreams would you imagine an Ant-Man once upon a time I didn't movie. think I'd see I didn't see I never thought I'd see a Guardians of the Galaxy movie weirder things that's have happened that's a team doesn't matter you never thought because it was gonna happen team. first of all but it could be awesome. if you had told me 10 years ago that was happening I would have been like really Major Force or sorry Major Victory is gonna be in a movie with Yondu and the, the Crystal Guy and like the weird Charlie X or whatever no, like, but now you have Peter Quill and Groot and I'm just saying that hasn't even existed for more than like a decade that's how new that concept is again 10-15 years ago Iron Man movie didn't seem like it was ever going to happen so I mean weirder things have happened a Thor movie shouldn't even work to most people would have thought that Thor would never work in a, especially as part of an Avengers how would that even make sense but it happened and it does Weirder things have happened. Heath Ledger's Joker, my friend. Weirder things have happened. <laughs> it can happen. I'm I'm so optimistic and hopeful. And then you the are. movies come out and I poo poo them. But I mean, yes, you do. But at least they can be a cheerleader before they come out because I, I there's so the, much negativity I everywhere. I can accept the Punisher and Electra. Like some makes sense. Ant Man doesn't make sense. Really, Electra makes sense. Yeah, no. it was terrible. What did you expect from? That was exactly what I expected from Electra movie. Like, Good or bad? No, that's what I, I expected. A lot of those elements to be in a Daredevil movie instead, because <laughs> she hand. took things. She took the chase. She took the hand. She took um, Typhoid Mary. She took stick. She took stick away from Daredevil. Wrong, mistake, upset. <laughs> I'm done. Done with that. All right. Anyways, take it easy, buddy. <laughs> I'm just saying, Stick is like such a cool character, but he's Daredevil's character. He's Daredevil Stick. Yes, I said that. Any closing thoughts? We went. Uh, you were right. I before the podcast said, "Well, you know, maybe an hour. I'll, I'll cut it off. It's two hours now." Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't help it. That's what we do. Yeah, well, my son was really good. I, I kind of thought we'd go based on if he was yeah, able to sit no, through it. He's been a, we bored him to death. We bored him so completely to death yeah. that he's just passed out. Now you know, if you're in sleep, just tell us comic book stories. Oh, you better just, believe just it. go on a tangent and he'll be right out. Oh my god, I cannot wait till I'm <laughs> just telling him comic book stories. I'm going to have to start going through all my comics just to refresh my memory of all the different stories that are in there so that I can then adapt them in the ones I'm telling him. I'm sure that he'll be very excited for the mo- you know two month long clone saga. I explained that <laughs> if you can figure it out. Yeah, I guess in closing, we are in a very unique period for comic books, both in both mediums. Okay. Um, How so? Well, I think they are much more mainstream now than they used to be because of the popularity of the movies and they're and they're being pumped out there and and everything and. The kids are seeing all kinds of stuff on the marketing side of things. From there's not enough cartoons. That yes, it's lacking there for sure. But good cartoons. We we don't have yes, absolutely. Beware the Batman. No thanks. I'd beware that show. I've heard people say it's good. Oh, the animation it's, looks terrible. You'd hate it. Yeah, I probably would. I didn't like Green Lantern. Animation. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's in the same boat. But that's just that's a stylistic choice. That's not so, necessarily that it's a bad show. Yeah. Well, see, I think we've shifted because TV was awesome in the '90s, right? Yeah, the best Batman, which is still oh. is the, the gold standard for any yeah. comic book animation. It was a show that could entertain kids and adults. Um, yeah. Heart of Ice will always be one of the best episodes with the Iceman. Sorry, the Iceman. The Mr. Freeze episode Freeze, yeah. will always be like chilling to the core. Yeah, um, yeah the 90s, X-Men, 90s, Spider-Man, all that stuff was... No, right on. Like mm-hmm. the, we don't, you don't even have like Fox Kids or Great White TV stuff yeah. anymore. So Just don't, don't, yeah, but don't don't talk about the Avengers show from the nineties. Fine, yes, that was it. I, you know what? At the time though, I was willing to accept dun, it because dun, dun, it meant I got dun, to see dun, Kang, dun, dun. Kang on TV. I'm like, this is amazing. And now I'm like, holy crap! They used the Scorpio key, oh. <laughs> the Zodiac. No good. No thanks. Um, but yeah, I think yes, we do need more TV, but we do have the movies, which have been. You know, even for both Marvel and DC, they've been pretty good. Yeah. So um, I think that helps. And then you know, I think DC, you know, New Fifty Two, as much as I call it a massive shenanigan, has done them well. So. Yeah, it has, but it's it's also raised the profile of whenever there's an issue. Like you heard about the the team of Batwoman coming off. Um, the, the the creative team that was on Batwoman left the title, and they cited one of them, like the, the, a lot of editorial interference, and they said that all they were, were building up to for like two years was Batwoman getting married, and they wouldn't let them do it. And but DC has basically said we're not against. It's not that we're against uh, marriage between you know gay or lesbian characters. We're basically just against marriage. Like they didn't say it like that, but they don't want their characters basically not being single. That's part right. of what, like, when they did the New 52, Clark and Lois weren't married anymore, or even in a relationship. Uh, yes, Superman and Wonder Woman are in a relationship, but everyone knows it's not going to end up in marriage. Right. Because he's always going to be with Lois, eventually. Um, Flash used to be married to, uh, to Iris. Now he's dating someone else. Like, no one's married in the New 52. It's kind of sad. Mm. And Marvel kind of, I mean, they have certain characters that are allowed to be married. Other characters aren't. If, if you're Spider-Man, you're not allowed to be married. If you're anyone else, yeah, <laughs> you, you got a chance. You're probably allowed to be married. Yeah. I think Tony Stark has a better chance of being allowed to be married than Peter. <laughs> which is sad. The Lothario, he can be married. That's okay. As long as it's the Pepper Potts. Spider-Man? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No marriage. No thanks. Like that up, yeah. No, no. We'd rather... So. I'm, I'm pretty sure they'd la- rather him be in a gay relationship than be married at this point. <laughs> because they've done one, and that didn't work out so well, and they regretted it for 20 years until they got rid of it. 
So I think they'd be more likely to let him be gay. I guess. So. Well, you had all his wedding uh, issues, and now they're all all recons since then. Yeah. So. Well, the Black Panther was married to yeah. Storm, and not anymore. Yeah. Uh, Luke Cage is still married. Yes. He's not around. Well, now he's around in Mighty Avengers. Yeah. I didn't read the first issue, so maybe he maybe he dumped Jessica. Who knows? Like, well, didn't I, he end off looking for her? And I think and he took him? off, and they. I think they're together. I think they were all living together as a family. They were okay. And I think that's where Mighty Avengers picks up. Okay. Is that they're all kind of living as a family. Which doesn't really ring true to me. Because he wouldn't actually give it all up. Like, he loved being an Avenger. And at, before that, he was a hero for hire. Like, he's been a hero for so long that I can't imagine... Luke, like, what, does Luke Cage get a job? Like, what, is he working at, a, like, an IT company? You know, can you imagine him with, like, with a little tie, maybe some glasses? Like, maybe grow, grow his hair back? It's probably in construction, I would imagine. Yeah, I, well, I didn't want to typecast him. Good job there. I had to go for the easy one. I was giving, I'm giving him a chance to explore his horizons. Just Luke Cage is a teacher. There. There you go. Be Sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas, indeed. But, uh... No, it is an interesting time, for sure. It it, and you're, you're right. It's interesting that, you know, the comic book sales are better now than they were for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, people are reading more comics. If the quality is good, that's another question, but they're at least reading them more. Um, digital has opened up new avenues. You've had more, I mean, obviously there's not a huge run of people running from the Avengers movie to comics, but at least more people are reading. You have all these great movies, but cartoons are a little bit more of the issue. Yeah. I guess they don't know, I guess they're not sure where to, where to go with some of the stuff, right? Like you, you have Assemble, which is... I don't like it. No. I only saw that a few episodes, but I don't like it. Yeah. Where's the merchandise? Like, that's my question. Like, like I, I, obviously my son's not old enough to really get action figures because he cannot even grip my hand. But, um, like, what, what is even out there for... There's toys. There are toys? with Spider-Man and, uh, what Hasbro's doing now is they're being a little lazy. They have now... No, a toy company being lazy? Unheard of! But they have bricks for kids and slightly better non-bricks for us older collector folk. Yeah, that's you. Yes. Um, and I guess the last thing I want to end off is uh, so you recently got a new uh, a new statue I did want to talk about it <laughs> quickly tell our uh, listeners what you got so I, I picked up the modular armor Iron Man statue um, as soon as I saw the uh, solicit for it I had to pick it up because it's my favorite armor of all time um, big thanks to Marvel's Capcom 2 for that and the 90s look but it's a sleek looking statue it's nice and shiny mm-hmm. the only thing on my only negative against it is that I think the hands and the feet are kind of small but oh really? yeah I guess hands and feet tiny. are too small you heard it here yeah. Iron Man has <laughs> tiny hands and feet draw your own conclusions uh, alright well thanks Paul for uh, joining me for this episode this has been what did I say episode 106 106 it's a lot of episodes uh, this has been our, our comic talk episode although it's also had a lot of movie talk as well uh, thank you for joining us. You can like us on Facebook, send us uh, um, an email at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, or if you want us to send you an autographed letter, make sure to first say, say first on the HG Realms forum, um, because uh, then we'll see if, if people are actually paying attention <laughs> to the show. Um, anyways, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.